and welcome to all of Fumar Takes. This is our 265th take, live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplessis, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. It's going to be a fantastic show, one for the books, you might say. It might be a golden era or two. Maybe we'll throw in some politics, maybe a little bull moose party. Who knows what's going to happen tonight? It's going to be all fun and games. Um... But hopefully, this particular game turns out a certain way later tonight. But we're, before we get to introductions of our formal guests of honor tonight, we do have to thank the people that didn't make this show possible. That, of course, is tonight's sponsor. And tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Drew Estate has done it once again. Drew Estate's Deadwood Tobacco Company, the girl with no name, Connecticut Shaver Busto, services exclusively at JR Cigars and Cigars.com. Subtle mysterious, hard to pin down. The Deadwood Tobacco Company, the girl with no name, has once again changed her appearance and is riding her husky black stallion to a new locale. That's right, everybody. Drifting across the old west side plains to the badlands of South Dakota and countless locations in between. Deadwood, Deadwood Tobacco Company's The Girl with No Name has thrown countless pursuits off her trail. Deadwood Tobacco Company's founder, uh, Void Bond, has stated form owner who partnered with Drew Estate to uncover the notorious Deadwood Lady's sultry tales, one puff at a time. The voluptuous and rebellious temptress has turned up once again, and only the most resourceful bandits and bounty hunters have any hope of roping her in. The Deadwood Tobacco Company, the girl with no name, Connecticut Shade Robusto 5x50 is now available exclusively at JR Cigars and Cigars.com, featuring the iconic Deadwood Cigars Sugar Skull artwork on both the band and box. The latest Deadwood, the girl with no name, is available in both 20-count boxes and five-packs. Features a succulent, Ecuadorian-grown Connecticut Shade wrapper that is blended exquisitely with a bewitching exotic tobaccos to enchant another lucky, uh, another, anyone lucky enough to track her down so check out jr cigars cigars.com for yes the girl with no name connecticut shave robusto 5x50 drew estate deadwood tobacco company coming through once again on the girl with no name so and welcome everybody this is our 265th take 265 of these this is unbelievable i can't believe i've done that many but it's uh without further ado my pleasure to welcome tonight's guest yes sir it is Mr. John Hakem of Four Cigar Company, General Cigar, uh, General Cigar Company. John, how you doing tonight, sir? I apparently just figured out I'm not nearly as excited as you are. Uh, so I, I don't know if I can keep up with that level of uh, energy, but I'm really, I am really excited to be here. And thank you so much for inviting me. I was, I was honored and uh, it's a privilege and I love talking to you at PCA. And this is, uh, you know, round two and, way longer than that short little interview but uh yeah. always always great to see it and i'm so happy to be here wish it was a little earlier but still so happy that's to what be everyone here. says to me john that's what everyone says to me but hey <laughs> I, I, apparently i have a way about me because that way people on just keep yeah apparently yeah, i have a way we, about we, me people come showing up yeah they do they do it's crazy it's crazy but I'm glad you're here, uh, John. I really do appreciate it. Um, I'm so excited to, to to have this conversation with you. Like we said, um, but I, there, so I, we are. I do have an icebreaker subject, but I do have to give you, I, I do have to give you a little bit of a hard time. So, like when I first met you at PCA this year and everything, and I said, so, so is it Hakeem or is it Hakeem? You're like, ah, oh, either works. It's no big. Both are wrong. It's Hakeem. Well, well, it is. I mean, so for me, normally. It is Hakim. I mean, H-A-K-I-M. It's an Arabic name. It's Hakim. My family has never really said Hakim. They, you know, like a lot of families, you come here and we've always said Hakim. But I get so many different versions of what it is. Normally, I would answer to Hakim or Hakim, and I get called both all the time. And I'm kind of 
happy with either. I kind of like the traditional pronunciation, but after several, many, many years of not saying it that way, uh, I feel a little disingenuous to, to all of a sudden start saying, well, that's the way I pronounce it. I mean, it's the way it's pronounced. It's not the way we pronounce it, uh, but it is correct. So, but yeah, again, I, I'm just easy to get along with, uh, depending who you ask. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I mean, I had a blast with you when we originally talked and everything. It was just great, and I was, I was really pleased to get you on tonight. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun show, like we talked about. So I, um, the, the icebreaker topic that I had for the night, I just, like, this is totally random, but it just occurred to me that I haven't had one in like years, pretty much. Like, and I mean, it hasn't been since my childhood or anything. Like, I was at a, you know, I took my son to his baseball game yesterday. It was hot. It's still hot here in Texas. It was 100 degrees today. It was 100 degrees yesterday. It's just unbelievable. Um, but the uh, afterwards, my kids wanted a snow cone, and I just realized it's been like forever since I've actually had a snow cone and everything. Like, how long has it been since you've actually had a snow cone? I have not had a snow cone. It's at least 10 years, and it's probably been way more than that. But it's funny that you mention it because I was just. I was driving somewhere and I, it, I can't remember if it was in Virginia or Denver because I, I'm always, lately I've been traveling a lot, but I saw this snow cone sort of like truck, like almost like an ice cream truck. And it was not in service, but it had, it had the most ridiculous, like double entendre offensive name. Uh, so I was actually thinking about snow cones because I'm like, wait a minute, what does this say? And I'm reading the words and I wish I could remember what it was, but it was like, you know, it, it was kind of like that SNL, like sweaty balls, dessert sort of thing. It was oh, like, wow. you know, like, like, you know, like. Oh, like, so it really was that, like, it really it was, was like, like, like rated R. I was like, yeah, it was like fun balls or delicious balls or something along those lines. <laughs> and like, I see it. So I see it from a distance. I'm like, well, what is going on over here? Then you get a little closer. I'm like, oh, that's snow cone. And then it made me think, like you, I haven't had a snow cone in forever. I mean, I'm more of like an ice cream and like chocolates kind of guy. Like, so the the water ice and stuff is not as uh, exciting for me, like just the sugary stuff. Like, I'll eat pixie sticks and, and sugar candies like that, but I'm definitely more of a ice cream or chocolate guy. But no, I haven't had, I have not had a snow cone in a long time. I, I just remember like the good flavors too. Like, you know, it was really funny. Like a bunch of like adults, like I'm like, I'm, I'm not young and I'm not old, but I mean, like they had some, they had a really nice list of flavors and, and stuff like available. It was pretty good. And I was like, Oh, that's, this is, this is pretty cool. And like some of the adults are like around my age, like, I don't remember this as a kid. I was like, well, then you went to some shitty snow cone places. They're like, what the hell is tiger's blood? I'm like, you've never had tiger's blood snow cones. Like, geez, man, that was like my favorite. Like, but um yeah get go figure my my uh my three-year-old almost four-year-old didn't want uh didn't want his so i had to eat a snow cone poor me uh, so well now that you mentioned tiger's blood the closest thing i've had to a snow cone was last summer uh there's a brewery that i really like in berlin maryland which is basically right across the bay from ocean city maryland and they're famous for these um, sour beers that they make called Dream, like Dream, but with a J, uh, which is a takeoff on the Wu-Tang thing. So it's like juice rules everything around me. 
and they make these crazy flavors that are super thick, super tart. Um, they're really good, but like for me personally, you could have like four or five ounces and then you're going to like throw up or something. Uh, but the one that I had last year was Tiger's Blood, Tiger's Blood mm-hmm. Snow Cup. So, which was remarkably sour and sweet and sugary and, and good. But again, you have, you, can, you have to split it with a friend because there's no way you're going to finish it. Yeah. I, I, I just think that, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know why I don't, I haven't had one for so long. I mean, they're delicious. I mean, they're just nothing but like sugar and ice, but I mean, like, right. I mean, it's, it's great. It's fantastic. And I mean, what a, and a great treat too. like great treat on a hot, on a hot summer day too. So yeah. I mean, if it were, a, if, if it, I was going to say, if it were a hundred degrees, I might be more apt to be out hunting down the snow cones. Uh, mm-hmm. But although here in Richmond, when I'm here, uh, it has been not now, but a few weeks ago when we were hitting all the heat, you know, it's it's often 90 something that feels like you know the heat index is 100 and something now i'm not trying to compare with texas because i know texas and arizona and vegas that's uh that's you know turn that goes to 11 so i know it's hotter but it's surprisingly hot in richmond considering it's central virginia it's like hotter here than it is on the coast a lot of the time which i mean it's like humid hot like caribbean summer heat sometimes yeah i think that i mean so i mean kind of just pivoting off that we'll get started here what what is like what is your go-to like heat index of 110 like what's the go-to what's the how do you cool yourself down uh stay inside the air conditioning generally so you know the office is obviously air boring (laughs) i mean i mean what what am I going to say? A cold beer, like not at work, but a cold beer is a good one. Uh, going swimming is a good one. Uh, I do love ice cream, like a chocolate chip mint ice cream, which is you know a way to do something like childish eating ice cream, yet refined with the delicious mint flavor. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I like ice cream a lot. Uh, I've actually just I went to the grocery store the other day and got some Klondike bars that are like the mint chip Klondike bars. Oh, so wow. have a little treat watching whatever streaming show i'm watching and have a you know have a have that if i'm not out so yeah i'm not really i just i don't know we stay in the air conditioning or go swimming or just suffer through the heat that's generally what yeah. i do i i'm old enough where i just learned to suffer through things we're I'm, I'm of that generation my um <laughs> my my audience does this you don't but i'm actually allergic to chocolate so mm. Um, which takes like, takes like any restaurant that I go to, like it takes every dessert off the menu pretty much for the most part. Uh, but I will say this about the ice cream innovation that's going on. Like, like everyone from like down here in Bluebell, like in other, just other, other flavors and stuff, they're really stepping up their game. There's a lot of ice cream that I can actually have now. Okay. Uh, So like they, uh, there's this, uh, grocery store down here that's really famous and it's fantastic. It's called H-E-B and they make a Tres Leches cake. Ice cream, okay. like I had the other day. I'm not like a big sweets person, but I was like, it's "Fucking money! This is great. I can, <laughs> I can roll with this." So, Tres Leches cake ice cream. Yeah. Wow, it's good. It was good. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking I would like that. I think I've seen a Tres Leches ice cream before, but I don't know if it was Tres Leches cake. It might have just been, you know, Tres Leches without the bread. It's kind of cake in it, but. 
yeah, I mean, that's, that sounds pretty good. I would definitely try that. Yeah, for sure. I, it was, it was really good. I really, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. So yeah. Uh, just tell Justin to fly you down here to Texas and I'll, I'll treat you to some, I can make that happen. I'll get on Justin's, uh, the diesel jet. We, you know, we, we fire up that diesel G6 once in a while. Sounds good. Around. Sounds good. All right. Well, let's, let's hop in here, John. I'm so glad, so glad you could be here. We're going to, we're going to explore all of, uh, all this and more here just a little bit. So let's uh, get tonight's major point, which is always brought to you the P. Yes, people. Yes, cigar people. The people who know everything about a lifetime of service. Protocol Cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Well, <laughs> maybe it is. But behind the fun is a motivation for service. A motivation for giving back from the original Protocol Blue to the latest release in the Lawman series. Phoebe Cousins Protocol has always been about honor passion and yes the people it's what their life's work has been and always will be about power of the p protocol cigars and i think i may have missed it earlier but tonight's guest mr john hakem is um sponsored by united cigar smoke once a day and start living united yes that is the united cigar way thank you so much uh john for joining us um really really excited to talk to you about some stuff but i wanted to get a little bit of background on you too you know obviously um but before that, we got a little bit of business because uh, okay. I've got a beautiful box of cigars here that, and you're already smoking, so I'm like, I'm already like <laughs> chomping at the bit here. So, um, but I just want to give a shout out to our, our 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 favorite person at General Cigar Company. No, not Justin Andrews, uh, but yes, Victoria, who just uh, sent this lovely box here of Chillin' Moose, the Bull Moose Maduro, got the five by sixty here. I'm. I know Coop's excited for me. He's a big Gordo smoker, so I know he wants me to crack these open. But uh, <laughs> but um, I'm excited to smoke this cigar tonight, John. So thanks uh, thanks to Victoria, thanks to you for uh, for allowing me to, to 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 partake. So this is good stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. Victoria hooks us all up. I'm sure, she certainly uh, was keeping us all on the rails at PCA. I kept looking over to her like this to see if I'm just crossing a line somewhere because. Uh, She's been at this for a while and is very good at it and certainly sends out the goodies to everybody. So, yeah, shout out to Victoria. Yeah, the Bull Moose Maduro, we talked about it a bit at PCA. Uh, you know, Chillin' Moose is one of the brands that I that I manage, and that was one of the two cigars we put out this year. Uh, that was not even out yet at PCA. We are just handing out some, some you know, pre-release samples. It came out in August. But uh, last year we did we did an additional line to the chill and moose line that's, you know, existed since 2014. And we made the all basically all Gordo or all Hagante, all 60 ring gauge or plus uh, right. bull moose, which was an all Nicaraguan Habano. I mean, you know, you start off with the Habano, it's kind of uh, conventional wisdom. So then this year we made the Maduro, which again is a Nicaraguan Puro made in Nicaragua. Uh, Habano binder, Habano filler, but with a nice, deep, rich Maduro, uh, Nicaraguan Maduro wrapper. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a very nice cigar. It's great at the price point, especially. You, know, you get that kind of sort of value for money cigar where you're not paying a ton of money, but you get a lot of cigar. Uh, you get a little bit of personality with our with our friend, the Moose. And, you know, it's in a box, it's got a, a band and a character, and it's, it's fun, it's legit, it's a real cigar, uh, but at a good price, which is, I think, what makes Chillin' Moose, uh, the whole franchise, so successful. And it's, 
and it's had a Chilling Moose has had a good couple of years. I mean, people are really coming around to that. You can get a really good cigar without paying a ton of money for it. Uh, and they've been responding really well. Uh, you know, this is is just out, so it's still getting its legs. Uh, but yeah, the, the response has been good. We had the uh, in March we did the Shady Moose, the Connecticut Shade, which was really well received. It was sort of like one of those innovations where you, you know we do these every year. We try to come up with stuff. This was one where when it landed, it was sort of like we were actually waiting for this. Thank you for making it, you know, because when it came out, it was uh, overwhelmingly popular. I mean, it, it, it has been selling great this year. People are talking about it a lot. Uh, I have friends who will contact me about it. Like we smoked that and it was really good. I gave him to a friend for his charity golf tournament and because it's a great golf cigar. It's a Connecticut, won't make anyone mad. Uh, but again, at a good price point, really good smoking, uh, bats, you know, or punches way above its weight, uh, you know, the six country blend uh, at a great price point. I love the yellow band. I love the moose and the Elvis shades. Uh, so yeah, that's been very successful too. So I think the additions in the last two years, which is a lot of innovation for a brand like Chill and Moose up until last year, there were you know, two lines in all of the Chill and Moose franchise, Chill and Moose and Chill and Moose 2. And in two years, we added three. So we, we more than doubled the size of the brand. Uh, so it's exciting. It's just, you know, again, you know, I've got brands like Punch and Partigas that are huge historic brands, but Chill and Moose is a lot of fun to play with. Uh, you get a lot more leeway, you know, you can uh, get away with a lot more, uh, and it's fun uh, and I enjoy it. And I, I'd like to do more with it. You know, I, I would love to have with this moose character. I mean, I think it would be, it would be fun to have a cartoon series, you know, with the moose doing something or, which I think is a little bit ambitious, but it would be cool. I'd love to at least have you know, more of a presence online with the moose. I think the moose could do some interesting and funny things and, uh, kind of be a bit irreverent, maybe pick up where Mr. Punch leaves off with some of his nonsense. Yeah, I think the I I I I like the I like the brand for a lot of reasons, and I think it's really interesting what you guys have kind of uh, how you guys have taken it. I think you know at first, like you know, we you almost didn't know what to do with it. The Foundry Chill and Moose was just kind of a, you know when it first when it first kind of released onto the market, it was just kind of like. You know, I'm I'm sure it was a little unsettling, perhaps, you know, maybe even a little, you know, that dreaded the dreaded G word, right? Gimmick, a little gimmicky, but um, but uh um you know, that kind of thing. But it's I think it's in, uh, I think it's one of those brands that's really kind of come into its own. And you've done such a great job with that, you know. I, I think like just the different shakes on it and like some of it's a bit on the nose, you know, like the shady moose, for example, but I think it, it really, you kind of like lean into it and I like it. And I like, I like the, yeah. the bull moose part of it too and everything as well. Um, I want to, I, we'll, we'll kind of go, we'll kind of go backwards. Cause I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this conversation about the bull moose part of it. When, when, uh, when you were kind of like, how did it work? Cause I know you've been, 
you, you manage a couple of other brands, which we'll certainly get into here in a little bit right. at, between General Cigar Company and Forged. What, when you were approached to, to go on with this project, I mean, did you volunteer? Were you approached by it? Like when you, the first beginning, like what, did, what, what did you first think of the project? Uh, for Chill and Moose in general or for Bull Moose Maduro? Uh, Chill and Moose, just Chill and Moose in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I, when I started, my first brand was Punch. And then I also was managing Odyssey, our, our bundle, uh, one of our bundle value brands. So, which is, you know, relatively easy to manage. There's not a big, there's not a big marketing budget or advertising or anything. It's, you know, make a decent cigar, set a, a good price and come up with great trade deals and and it gets on shelves and it moves off shelves and it's it's kind of takes care of itself if all those other things are right. And, you know, I'm doing my job and sales is doing their job. That all kind of works. Uh, and then, you know, someone suggested, look, I think at the time, Justin was managing Chill and Moose. And, and at that time, there really wasn't anything new yet. I mean, it was just Chill and Moose and Chill and Moose 2, which existed since like, Chill and Moose 2 came out in 2016. So 2022, they gave me Chill and Moose. I thought, well, cool. There's actually releases because we had already slotted to do the Bull Moose. That was something that uh, Justin had been working on. Uh, so it was it was pretty much almost baked, and I just had to work on the execution of launching that in, in 2022. Uh, so we did, and it was it, again it was very successful to the point where we had a, the uh, opposite problem of it not being successful, which was it was so successful we were selling out of certain sizes. I mean, to sure. the point where you know retailers couldn't get a particular size for several months because the demand was way higher than we had anticipated for, you know, a, a chill and moose project. Who knew we hadn't launched a chill and moose in, in six years at that point. So uh, that was uh, invigorating for me because it, you take it on as sort of that brand that no one's done anything with in a long time and you do something and it's successful, like great. So then we already had been thinking that once we do the Habano, we will do the Maduro. So then we started getting that, the wheels turning on that. And as that's happening, I, I was talking to someone else in the office who has been saying long before I was ever with the company, you know, Chill and Moose or one of our value brands, we should have a Connecticut shade. Uh, there's really a hole in the market in that sort of that profile in that price point. And it would, it would be killer, you know, because people, a lot of times, like I'm a, full-bodied cigar smoker for the most part. So I sort of look past shade. I don't really enjoy a ton of shade cigars, although there are some that are very good. I think Shady Moose is one of them. I think the Partagas Cortado is one of them. And just so I'm not just completely being a homer, I think, you know, that Saka Brulee, I think is a really good Connecticut shade cigar also. Um, but it is probably 60% of the market is Connecticut shade. It's just yeah. easy grab. And for, you know, they, still the most popular. It's crazy. Yeah. You yeah. So we, after we talked about it, like, yeah, let's. So I went through and worked on this blend with their factory to, to come up with this blend. And then it came down to the fun part was really because I thought a Connecticut Shade Chill and Moose would do well. But then we got to say, like, let's do the packaging and the naming. And we're, brainstorm, I'm brain, we're brainstorming ideas and all these different things. And then I'm like, oh, it's a shade grown. We came up with Shady Moose. 
And then immediately it hit me. I think originally my first idea was it was going to be a very similar uh, box to what it is, a bright yellow, like it's the sun. Uh, and then the moose in sunglasses, one of our graphic designers kind of came up with the Elvis shades, which I love. Uh, but he was going to be, the moose was going to be under an umbrella, like he's on the beach, you know, in the shade. And it just looked, it was way too busy. It it looked like the, uh, the, the stem from the umbrella was either stabbing the moose, it looked like, or it was obscene in some way. So we're like, you know what, it's just too busy. Uh, let's, let's go without the prop and just go with the glasses. And then those boxes, I remember, I still, I'm still at the point in my career with this where I still get excited when... You know, I, we dream up these projects and they come out, we get the sample box in. It's like not quite like having a child because I have children, but uh, it's just so exciting. Like this thing you made comes out. And I remember looking at that bright yellow box going, oh my God, this is going to make such a statement on a shelf. Uh, I was, again, I, I get very excited about this stuff. People sort of laugh at me for it because I really am into this. I love this. Uh, I'm doing this because this is what I want to do with my life, but not because I have to. And uh, I really, really, yeah, I was excited to do Chillin' Moose. I quite honestly didn't anticipate as many innovations for a brand like Chillin' Moose as we ended up doing. How, because, how could you, really? I mean, yeah, like, we're, we're going to get into other brands years. that you manage. Like, yeah. I mean, okay. talk about it. I mean, just talk about it. I mean, it's just a different, I mean, iconic difference. Like, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm glad we're leading off with it because I don't want it. I don't want it to seem like an afterthought because I do like no. what you guys are doing. It's crazy with this, and it's and it's and it's the brand that you know. Again, it it really was almost like a blank slate. You know, there were two cigars, sure. you know, that just have been around for you know eight and six years respectively. And then you come in, and then the other thing about Shady Moose, and not to keep going back to that instead of Bull Moose Maduro, but uh, it was it's the only. It, it's the only chilling moose that comes in a Toro size. I mean, Toro, again, much like Connecticut, it's the, probably the most popular wrapper in the market. Toro is the most popular size. Chillin' Moose had no Toro and no Connecticut. So uh, I don't think I'm a genius about this, but I, it just seemed like the two most popular things on the market that we didn't have for this brand. So we made it. And shockingly, that worked. Uh, people said, oh, yes. This is what we want to buy. And you made it. So we'll buy it. Uh, and it's a good cigar. I mean, it really is. It's a, a six country blend for a, you know, retail price of $5 for a Toro. Uh, can't really go wrong. It's really a, a, the experience to me is very comparable to a few, you know, $10 cigars that are on the market that I've had. And I, I would think if you took the bands off, a lot of people wouldn't know the difference. Yeah, I think it's 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 one of those things that kind of it, it either sways you one way or another. Um, yeah, uh, and and certainly the price point helps too. I I mean I got to be honest, the first I mean I bought a box of the first Chillin' Moose because I was like I saw the price, I was like, well, that's cool looking, and why not? Oh yeah, back and, in the day when it was a foundry yeah. cigar, like, yeah, way back. Oh yeah, me too. I remember seeing them, and I and I remember thinking. Oh, what is that? You know, and then I remember hearing the story about who made it and all that other stuff. I'm like, that was one of those cigars. Like there was a period of time when you're kind of like searching around and you kind of hear these little things online or from other people that 
oh, this cigar is like the the other foundry, the the time's up or the time's expired or whatever it was with the kind of prism skull that was made by AJ Fernandez at the time. And it was priced around the same price as the Chillin' Moose. I remember buying a box of those going, well, this is this is an AJ Fernandez cigar. This is right when people were finally learning who this guy was that was making all these cigars that they all they all liked uh, as he was kind of becoming really the prominent figure he is now. I remember buying a box and telling people, hey, look, don't look past the band. Don't worry about that. It's a good cigar. Mm. So I did the same thing. I, I bought Chillin' Moose right back then. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not ashamed of it. I just admitted it, so it's not really. It's not like one of those things, but no, no, it's a, it's a great product. And, you know, I think the, um, again, I mean, when you talk about value and stuff, I think it's 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 really important to kind of put something out there of substance because I mean, there's bundle cigars to the to the nines. I mean, out there, you know, the available and stuff like that. But this is a this is a little bit of a step up. It's a great. It's mm-hmm. something like you said you can have fun with. You guys do. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of gotten some legs and it's great that, uh, it's great that some attention's being paid to it. Cause I think it's, I think it's worth it. And so it's, it's a fun little project for sure. Yeah, and it, that was like with a joke at PCA, like there were remarkably a, a decent number of people talking about chill and moose at PCA, right? which, you know, was a little bit surprising with all the brands there, all the big brands there, and even within our own booth, all the big brands there. Like we were at one of the restaurants or bars or something after the show, the one day and, and bloggers and stuff were there and people were talking to me about chilling moves. And the other guys from the company were getting mad. Like, what? Why is everyone talking about chilling moves? Like, hey, that's don't you know that's what everyone's talking about these days. It's the it's the flavor of the month. But no, yeah. I, seriously though, it's great. I'm glad people are paying attention to it and people are realizing it's a, a legit cigar and, and remembering yeah. if the other ones exist, if they didn't remember before uh, well, when the new stuff will help do that. Well, I'm glad we talked about it. It's like, I'm like at the trade show. Like I remember we were setting up for the interview with you and I was like, Oh, we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about Partagas. We're going to be talking about punch. And they're like, no, we're going to talk about chill. Moose. All right. The, yeah. The bull moose is coming out. So yeah. Like, yeah, let's do that. And it was just, it was, it was a great time. And, and uh, I'm smoking it right now. I'm about a, a little over an inch into it. I mean, what do we got? talk about? It. Real soup, easy draw, nice, simple flavors, real rustic. You know, there's got some, there is a little bit of pop to it, but there's a nice little sweetness characteristic too. I mean, this is, um, you know, yeah, not it's, it's not I, a, I'm enjoying it's, it. I'm enjoying it. It's, it's not an overpowering Maduro. And I think that's, you know, a misconception for uh, a lot of smokers who don't smoke perhaps as much as you or I do, where they see a 60 ring gauge black Maduro cigar and immediately, Oh, that, that's too strong. It's going to be too, whatever it's, I mean, there's a little bit of spice to it because, mm-hmm. because there is, there's a little bit of sweetness on that, that wrapper, but it's, it's sort of not <sighs> super sugary sweet. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's not overpowering. It's just an easy draw. It's an easy smoke. Uh, if you prefer the Maduro flavor, which I personally do, it's a nice alternative to the existing bull moose. If you like a big ring gauge, you certainly get enough big ring gauges. There's nothing under a 60 and there's even a 70 ring gauge in there, which uh, I will admit is not my go-to, but there are a lot of consumers out there that do love the big ring gauge. So it's super approachable big gauge cigar. Yeah. I mean, this is, this uh-huh. is, this is nice. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, really am. So sure. I, I enjoyed the shady Thanks. moose too. I thought that was a really good, 
that was a, that was a, that was a good, that was a good cigar. Um, again, I mean, at these prices, it's really hard to beat, man. I mean, it really is. Yeah. And again, it's just, it's just fun. Um, it is, you know, and, and it's, it, it's fun without getting into dangerous territory, you know, like with, you know, some of the yeah. characters and yeah. stuff like that. And yeah. it's just, you know, good stuff. So, uh, all right. Well, I did want to backtrack there because we 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 kind of jumped right into it just because of the cigar selection, but I thought it was good uh, timing, so we kind of rolled with it. But I mean, going back to your background, John. I mean, this is something that I love to talk about: is just people, how they came from, where they came from, how they got here. And uh, I mean, you're 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 a Pennsylvania guy, born and bred, and all the way through, man. I mean, um, what I mean, what's it? What was it like growing up in the in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania? Uh I, I presume it's a lot like growing up in the Commonwealth of Virginia. I, I apparently only live in Commonwealths. That seems to be my my go-to. So I currently, since I'm working here, I am splitting time between PA and Virginia. I have a, my family's in PA. I have a house in PA. So, uh, you know, I, I go back and forth. It depends. Sometimes I'll be here for a couple weeks. Sometimes I'll be there for a couple weeks. Sometimes I'm traveling. But yeah, growing up in PA is it was good. I mean, where where I was at the time I was growing up, it was like the Wilkesbury Scranton area. Like I was in the office, which is you know, it's not a tiny, tiny, tiny like you know one uh, one traffic light town, but it's also not it's not Manhattan, it's not LA, it's not Austin, you know, it's not Dallas. It's uh, so you know at the time it was. Easy growing up, you you could you had green spaces. You know, all the houses have yards. It's not like a concrete jungle, uh, or at least you know where I was, they did. You can just you know you leave the house in the morning, and you don't come back till dinner time, and just run around with your friends. And you know, at that time, there wasn't a ton of crime in the area. I mean, it has changed over the years uh, to the point where I wouldn't say that now. You don't let your kids out and run around. Uh, but it was, it was good. You know, you got a chance to have a lot of good friends. You got to grow up. You, you felt like you had space to, to reach out on the other side. You know, there wasn't a ton there. We don't have a professional sports team or we didn't at the time we have triple a baseball and, uh, AHL hockey. Now yeah, I was gonna so say that. that's, we have the penguins and we have the, the, uh, rail riders, which are a Yankees, uh, team. We used to be originally the Red Barons, which was a, a Philly team mm-hmm. uh, that left and I don't know who they became. So, but those are, those were like my, my college or later years that, that happened. But yeah, it was, it was kind of cool. I mean, I, everyone, you come from there, so you kind of crap on it. Uh, but then at the same time you defend it, you know, it's like your family, like you yell yeah, everybody them, makes fun of my little them. brother, but me. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's yeah, a shithole, but you don't talk bad about it. It's man, it's funny. You're gonna make fun of me. I, I'm such a, a such a guy from the south, man. I've always I've always pronounced it Wilkesboro. And it's it's Wilkesbury. It's funny. Let me I've, let me yeah, that's one of those that there's there is no real consensus on it. And it's still like great, your last name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's there is great debate in the town of Wilkesbury how to pronounce it. You'll see they're like t-shirts, you know, like Wilkes, and then it'll have like a group of berries, uh, a candy bar, like Wilkes bar, Wilkes bar, Wilkes berry, Wilkes So 
and no one has ever really, I don't think, decided what the proper oh, that's funny etymology that, of it is. That's actually uh, a thing. That's funny. Oh man. Oh yeah. Oh, it's a big thing. And people do say Wilkesbury. Uh, some people say Wilkesbury. Some people say Wilkesbar. Because because that B A R R E could be pronounced any of those ways. Right. But yeah, but it was again. It was smaller town. I mean, a smaller city. It wasn't a small town. So if you wanted to to do anything like metropolitan, you had to leave. Now, the good thing about the area, and this is sort of the draw to the area for a lot of people, is you can spread out, you can get property a lot cheaper than you can someplace else, which is why there has been a huge influx of you know New Jerseyans and New Yorkers uh, into that area because you know what you would spend on a, a crappy little cracker box ha- box house in New Jersey. You, know, you can get a five-bedroom home on some property. Uh, so, but it's we're within two, two and a half hours of a lot of the stuff you want to go to. Like Manhattan's two and a half hours away. So you can just hop in your car in the morning, go to, to New York City for the day, and then be home by midnight. You know, and that's that's a great convenience to have. And I grew up with that. So I, you know, to me, we we were in Manhattan all the time. We'd go just go to a concert, come home whatever Philly's two hours away you know drive down to Philly to see shows it's not uncommon I, I would be back and forth to Philly to see concerts all the time like that I, if I were back there more often now I'd still be doing that now and even like the Jersey Shores three and a half maybe three hours away uh, so you, know, you can you can get to everybody everywhere you want to go really quickly yeah. but then you can kind of revert to the security of your little uh, sleepy Hamlet, as some people would say. Well, um, I mean, the, I mean, and even other some bigger cities too. I mean, we're just talking about Pennsylvania. I mean, like you can go up to New York City. It's not that far either. Yeah, I mentioned in New York City, and a half hour. So we, I would be there. We would be there in the Bronx now. So which uh, is quite different than Manhattan. Uh, and a bit different than Queens and Brooklyn, uh, some parts. But uh, so I don't sleep anymore because I'm worried about him. But uh, yeah, I, I love it there. I love just shopping in Manhattan and going to shows in Manhattan and going out to eat in Manhattan. Uh, always have. It's always been kind of close to me. I think growing up as like that kid that grew up on punk rock and hip hop, like New York's where you'd want to be. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, I. You know, I had been to CBGB's before it closed down. I'd been to the old the Tower Records uh, down down by Greenwich Village. Like all those kind of things that were big staples uh, in for my youth. You know, I'd been all those things and done all those things. Being a Webster Hall and Limelight and all that stuff uh, from back in the glory days. But yeah, I mean, I I love that, and it's it's great to be that close. But at the age I'm at now, I don't think I could actually live in that congested city. I love going, but it just, you had this fight through that struggle and that sea of people every day to get anywhere. I think I would, I would go insane at this point. Yeah. It's, um, but I mean, it's, I mean, everything's like right there too. I mean, like you, like you said, you were, we were, you were born and raised there. Yeah. You know, you went, you spent your college at the university of Scranton. I know. Right. Um, here's something that I found interesting. And it's it's funny, like since the moment we've met, we've talked about how you and I both love to talk. So it's not a, it's not a surprise. It, it's not a surprise after you hear that and get to know you a little bit. But it was a little shocking to me. You, you're actually an attorney. 
Yes, yes. I, yes. I would like to say I'm a, I'm a recovering attorney. Recovering yeah, attorney. I've done a lot of things in my day, you know. So went to the University of Scranton, which is you know, half an hour from where I where I was born, uh, and yeah, I was. I've always been. I don't know. Back then, I always loved math. Really good at math. My math SATs were way higher than my verbal SATs, believe it or not. But you know, I was a philosophy major, poli sci major. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of the weird things about me. Like I, when I was growing up in the Wilkes-Barre area, there was no lacrosse there. Like they just, there was no one playing lacrosse in, in a financially <laughs> depressed sort of small town. But I always loved it. It was one of those things that just I thought that's such a cool sport. So when I got to college. Uh, everybody at Scranton is from Long Island, New Jersey, Virginia, had the guys teach me how to play, you know? And yeah. then, uh, so sophomore and junior year, I played varsity lacrosse in college, okay? you know, after having never played in my life. So I was not very good, but I really wanted to play. And I signed up and I went to practice every day and went on all the, went to all the games and took a beating uh, in every game and at every practice. It's a tough really sport, man. To yeah, it was, it was, but I could say I did it. So I got, you know, so I did that. I was uh, in some plays at the University of Scranton Players, left there, went to law school. Oh, you're Pittsburgh. not getting off the hook, John. You got to give me one of them. What play? What, what, what was one of them? Uh, one of them was, I don't know if you remember, there was a movie made of the play, Talk Radio. Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. It was the Eric Bogosian wrote it and then started yeah. it. I was, I was in Talk Radio. I was in a, my biggest role was probably it was like a three man one act play, which is what real actors want to be in, like on off Broadway. It was called uh, Private Wars. It was about you know three war vets in a military hospital, so we just oh, three nice. of us on stage the whole time. So it was, it was fun. I enjoyed doing stuff like that. You know, acting yeah. is cool. Both my kids got into acting, but they did mostly musical theater. But uh, cool. Uh, went to law school in Pittsburgh. Um, the University of Pittsburgh, right? So this University of Pittsburgh, yep. Okay. Yes, not Duquesne, Pittsburgh. Uh, so, uh, and I'm going back to Pittsburgh tomorrow for the first time in a long time. So that'll be exciting. But uh, we, yeah. So I, I was a criminal defense attorney. I did it for. I had a private practice. Did it for, for many years, over 20 years. Uh, at some point, I lived. Wilkes-Barre is Luzerne County. Luzerne County was interested in changing the way, you know, if you qualify for a public defender, you, know, you get a free lawyer, like you've heard of all those TV shows, you cannot afford a lawyer, one will be provided to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, but there are certain, got, certain defendants that the public defender's office can't represent due to like conflicts of interest. If you and I rob a bank together, the same lawyer can't represent both of us. So there are lawyers that represent them free of charge, and they were looking for a new way to do that more efficiently and, and provide better service. So they, they actually brought me in to create a new department and create a system to do that. So I kind of closed my private That's practice crazy. and created this department, managed it. I had five full-time attorneys and an assistant and then a, a pool of attorneys that were independent contractors that we used as needed. And I did that for eight years. It was, you know, pretty successful. A bunch of other counties in the com- com- uh, the state, including Allegheny County, Pittsburgh, kind of copied it and and did it. Uh, and then 
while I was doing that, it was a lot of business. And I was, I was creating and managing like a million dollar budget or a million plus dollar budget, hiring and firing, doing all this stuff. And I kind of really enjoyed it. So as I was doing that job, I went back to school uh, late in life, let's just say, I won't get into age. Uh, but and got my your MBA, MBA. Right? yeah, your MBA, yeah, at, so, at the, back at the old alma mater, right, at University of Scranton, yeah, because it was yeah. close, it was there, so I uh, and they have a pretty good business school, so I got my MBA uh, with basically two of them. It was you like get your MBA in certain things. So I I have an MBA in business analytics and operations management. Uh, so that was uh, a proud moment for me because I had really never taken a business course. In my life, I was all philosophy and political science and hit and minor in history. So got that. And then I kind of just thought, you know, I'm sick of being a lawyer. It's been a long time. I mean, 20 plus years. And I, you know, talked to the family like, well, why don't you do something you love? And I love cigars. I've been a cigar smoker uh, a long, long time. <laughs> dad was, my dad was a cigar smoker. So... Well, the funny thing about, so I just, I said, well, I want to maybe work in cigars. And I have a good friend from, a friend from college who always had a regular job and then loves cigars. We grew up, you know, we smoked cigars in college. He uh, always would work at a cigar shop on nights and weekends, like just so we could hang out and smoke cigars and get cigars at college. I did it myself, man. Yeah, it's the dream job. So he worked at like Tinderbox and he worked at CI Retail and, uh, so he's like, well, why don't you look at our company? There's always jobs. So I was thinking I was going to be working in Bethlehem for, you know, CI doing something in an office, not in retail, uh, something with business analytics or operations management. And I'm looking at all the jobs and I see this brand manager job and I, you know, marketing is not necessarily what I'm doing, but I read the description and our marketing jobs are kind of way different than most marketing jobs. It's a lot of product development, you know, and marketing. So, you know, we're, we're coming up with these concepts for the cigar that we're going to put out. We're working with the factory and the blend team to, to get the blend we want. You know, some of us are more involved than others, but it, you, know, you can just say, I'm looking for a Connecticut shade. That's kind of this kind of body. And they'll give you a few to smoke and you try them and get feedback and tweak them a bit. Or you can kind of say, look, this is what I want. I want some Modafina and, you know, in the binder or in the wrapper. Uh, I want a Modafina wrapper and I want some sort of, you know, broadleaf binder, and I want a filler with this, that, and the other in it. And then they'll give you three versions of that. And then you can sit there and tweak it depending on you know, how specific you want to get and how much you know. So it can be any of that, but you're doing all that stuff. But, you know, then you're naming the cigar and making the packaging and then doing all the actual marketing, promoting, coming up with, you know, buy five, get one, and we're going to have posters and we're going to have, you know, promotional videos. So, you know, that's, kind of the part we it doesn't say all that in job description but i kind of got the gist so i thought well let me try this and i sent in an application and because my background was you know in the law and not in marketing or the cigar industry i had to write a pretty extensive i think cover letter and just explained you know the amount of time i've been around cigars and and it's not just that i was like a smoker i was always that sort of if i'm into something 
I'm into, into it. Like, yeah. I, I'm deep dive. Yeah. yeah. If I get into like, you know, whatever watches, I'm subscribing to every watch magazine and I'm on all the watch blogs and I'm like learning about each manufacturer and where they're made and how they're made and what models. It's the way I was with cigars. Like I grew up, my dad was a cigar smoker. So one of my, you know, foot in the door with the company was my, my first cigar was a Macanudo, which is one of our cigars. I was going to ask what your dad uh, smokes. Yeah, because at that time, I mean, that was the beautiful thing about General Cigar. You know, they got Macanudo, and it was like the first real, like if you want to say real cigar, that was introduced to the, to the U.S. market in a big way with a big push. So that was one of those cigars you know, in the 70s you would actually see everywhere. So it kind of was, you know, any place you were, you could find one. So my dad would smoke whatever. He smoked a lot of things. But I remember those specifically because there was a – candy distributor uh that you know also sells cigars as we all know it's a big port a channel in our, in our industry uh that sold macanudos the prince phillips then when they used to come in a box of 10 so he'd send me over because this is back in the day to go buy him cigars and i'm like eight years old going like oh a box of these macanudos you know and no one says anything sure kid here you go ride back on your bike and give me your dad so then, I, you know, that'd be the cigar I would sneak to smoke in the, in the old days. We had a, uh, a place we'd go in the summer, which we called the farm, but it was like 30 acres in rural Pennsylvania, kind of close to where we were. And we'd have to mow the lawn, like five acres of lawn we'd have to mow. And so we just, even, I think my, my, God, my parents would probably say, take a cigar to keep the bugs away. So, so like my, I can just you know, picture my eight-year-old sister, you know, was like a little chubby as a kid. Like with this macanudo, like to keep the bugs away, just like puffing into it while we're we're mowing the lawn. So that kind of was the the start of it for me, and just I think the affection and reverence I have for my father and the cigar thing. So you know, it's, my father's been passed away for a long time now, but I remember you know getting to smoke cigars with him at like my graduation or at weddings and things. Uh, it just it's a very very fond memory, uh, and cigars are as you know ex- experiential. So. I just mm-hmm. have very fond memories of it. It always takes me back to him. Uh, but, you know, then as, as things go on, you start to hear there get more. And then I'm old enough to have been around for the first cigar boom. You know, that's probably when I first got into the La Gloria Cubana Wabel. Uh, oh, yeah, that's the, so, that's the birth, that's the birth of boutique cigars, man. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I remember, again, I certainly, uh, dating myself here, but I remember seeing that review and seeing that rating and seeing that price. I mean, it was cheap. It was like $2.90 for a Lavelle back then. Yeah. And they were still hand rolled in, in Miami. And I remember, I don't even know how I would know this, like in the 90s, but I, you know, from somewhere you hear, like, well, where am I going to get them? Because no one in PA could get them because now everybody wants them because this is the birth of the first cigar boom. So I hear that Mike's cigar in Miami gets its shipments every Wednesday. So I would be, at this point, I was, I think, interning or working as a part-time public defender in Luzerne County. So I would go into Wednesday at like, whatever time I thought a place would open, nine or 10, I would go into the one office and close the door. And I got the number from Mike's cigar and I would call, did you get Wavell's in? And I would like make a phone order over the phone with a credit card, have them shipped to me way back then. Uh, So... At any rate, I think I'm, I'm jumping around, but 
you know, I applaud. That's a lot of trust back then, man. Order phone ordering with credit cards back back when those were coming out. That's a lot of trust back then. This yeah, is be- this is like prepay, like before PayPal and Amazon, yeah. and yeah, I mean, yeah. no one was yeah. doing that. I, yeah, we we weren't sending like uh, you know a check in the mail, like hold two boxes and I'll send you a check, and then you can send it to me. I, I don't think I ever did that, but no, so like, I tried to explain cable like, some the- money, Western Union. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're not, that, you the you're not that you're not that old john no worries yeah dee, 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 dee. we're we're giving a morris code so you know and then as i get more and more into it it fades like there's times like you were more into it and then you got less into it you know there's stuff to do then you get more into it again and you know lately not lately but the later phases you know was really just more and more stuff was coming out i was delving into it more and more and i was always that guy searching for whatever the new thing was i want to be the guy turning my friends on Let's try this. Like, so I'm always giving out cigars. Now, you know, I'm giving out my cigars. Hey, try this, try this. But before that, when I'm paying $15, $20 a stick, you know, I'd be at the cigar bar, the cigar lounge I would go to, just handing out cigars. Because for me, that's what this is about. Mm-hmm. It's about this cigar culture, getting people to try these cigars that I'm really excited about, that I kind of hunted down and found. Like, that's how I found like Black Label Trading Company or, you know, these other, you know, Dapper or Sinistra, these little small brands that you kind of find and then other people don't know them. So you, you're turning them on to that thing. So that's kind of always what I was into. So lately, so, you know, when I was applying here, I kind of had to tie it into this other stuff that was historical where, you know, my first cigar was a Macanudo. Uh, you know, I was, Wavell became one of my, Lavoria was one of my favorites for a long, long time. That's all I had in humidors back in the day were, Glorious, and I remember to the point where once they started making them in the Dominican Republic, they then started putting them in cello. They were naked in Miami, so I would have two separate. This is also a peek into my psyche. I had two separate humidors. The Miami Glorias were in this one, and the Dominicans were in the other one because they didn't want to mix the two. Right. Um, but I so I apply, and a couple of days later, I get a phone call, and and it's our director of marketing and. Uh, he said, I got your resume and I'm fully expecting they're going to go. Uh, yeah, I think you might've sent this to the wrong place. This is the uh, marketing job, you know, and we just talked about my background and my passion for cigars and why I want to do it. And ended up having an interview with the other brand managers and eventually Chris Tarr VP. And I just think that everybody kind of saw that this is something I'm really committed to. Uh, and I think the other part of it too is, you know, I, I'm a practicing lawyer. I still have my license uh, in PA. You know, if I wanted to, I could still be practicing law in PA. Uh, and you make a pretty decent living doing that. And I, I can do that. That's not what I want to do. I've done right. this. is what I want to do. I'm, I'm here. I'm not a guy that just, you know, I, I had a marketing job at, you know, Procter & Gamble. And then I'm trying to move up and I'm going to get one at, you know, Dinty more, and then I'm trying to look for a marketing job at Altria, and I'm going to get a marketing job at, at STG. Um, I'm here because this is what I want to do. I want to make sure. cigars. I want to sell cigars. I want to make really good cigars that people get excited about. Uh, and and I'm here because I want to be, you know. And I'm not looking to move on to something else or you know some other place. I I want to come here. I want to make some really good cigars. I want to make people happy. I want to sell cigars. I'm just into it. So. 
Right. Well, no one gets rich that. in this business, John. It's like the old mantra is like, if you want to make a million bucks in this business, start with two, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so they know they know what you can make as a private practicing attorney. And they're like, man, this guy really is committed. Is he, did he see what yeah. the salaries were offered? Right. Which and I'm sure you're paid that, fairly. I'm just saying, like, no, no, no they, in this they business. take care of me well. Right. But it, it's, yeah, certainly not, you're not going to get rich, but the, and even, you know, that, but beyond that point, they know I'm committed because the first year, you know, like I said, my family's in PA. I was here probably 10 months of 2022, uh, getting to know this job, getting to know the company, getting to know all the procedures. And I think also just trying to show that I'm actually committed to this. So mm -hmm. uh, I think I've, I've proven that to them. Uh, whether, whether I'm doing a great job or not, we'll, we'll, I think uh, history will tell, but uh, certainly I'm committed to it. So, but yeah, I, I love it. I love the people I work with. I think there are a lot of misconceptions about this company because it is so big, you know, and, and people sort of think, well, it's this, this big monolith. No one actually cares. You know, they could be selling widgets. You, know, you hear a lot of stuff from the outside, but, you know, for us on the inside, it's kind of disheartening to hear. And I don't know, maybe at some point in history, a lot of that criticism that you hear was merited, but, you know, we, we hired, two new guys in marketing since after I came on. And I can just tell you, like, there's a bunch of guys here that really care about cigars. I mean, when we're not working, we're all still hanging out together. Like this is, I really love the environment here. I, mean, you know, I don't know how it is other parts of the giant company, but within our marketing department, everybody's friends. Like we're constantly together. We're constantly hanging out. Uh, we're constantly group texting and busting each other's chops. Uh, you know, we're always out helping each other with ideas, uh, you know, brainstorming. And, you know, and I think that's a lot of the value I bring because I have such a great historical perspective for it because I was around when the first cigar aficionado came out and I was, you know, tried all these cigars back then when there weren't a lot of choices. You know, I remember you're, tr you're trying to try new things in the cigar world uh, at the very beginning of that boom. And you're trying all these things that I haven't smoked now in 20 some years, like Leon yeah. Jimenez and Griffins. And, and I still remember when the, uh, you know, Zeno spec used to come in the tin. Yeah. The, the, the original, the OG yeah. man, like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So I think, you know, I can, when people are talking about something, it's like, I'm the guy that goes, Oh yeah. You know, well, Aurora did that back in whatever. And they did this and, it kind of helps. Uh, so yeah, it's, but I, I, again, it's a great place to work. I mean, from the top down, like my, everyone above me has been so supportive. Uh, you know, I don't see Justin much, but Justin's been a big help. He's been around a long time. Our director's super helpful. Our, our VP's the greatest guy. I, I love talking to Chris and, you know, again, yeah. Regis, Regis is the president of the company. Nicest guy. Like he's just genuine. You, know, you send him like a, a WhatsApp or an email, like on his birthday, saying, Hey, happy birthday. He responds, you know, or, or when he sees you, he'll go out with you for a drink or for dinner or whatever. He's not above it all. Just, I, I really think that we're sort of miscategorized. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of people here that really care about cigars and tobacco. Uh, I mean, there are also, you know, finance people and stuff that are just bean counters, but within the group, uh, it's, it's a great place to work. It's a great mm -hmm. bunch of guys. Uh, everyone really gets along. Everyone really cares. Everyone wants to make good product. So uh, 
yeah, I'm, I'm happy here. I think it's, I'm, it's one of the best decisions I made professionally, certainly one of the best decisions I made. Well, it's gotta be considerably less stressful for sure. I mean, and so, and, <laughs> at times you haven't, yeah. you haven't been to like sales meetings and, uh, meetings with the, yeah. the ceo and stuff that's true but I, yeah I, I, chris is a pretty intense dude but that guy's a breath of fresh air and i gotta say like probably even even as intense as meetings can get you know you light up a cigar it probably just makes it makes the sting go a little bit better if it ever has to yeah. happen so but, chris is intense but i so like i so appreciate that like i yeah I, no he's I'm a breath an, of fresh I, air he really is i want to know like if there's a problem i i want to know like i don't want to go to the doctor and have some real bad problem and they go, ah, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. When you know, it's going to kill you. Like if, if there's a problem, tell me there's a problem now and not like after there's been a problem for six months. And if you've met Chris and I know you have, you know, that's not going to be an issue. He's going to tell you. And I just love the way he speaks so frankly, and you can speak frankly with him and he's, you know, he can be super intense and everyone's sort of afraid to piss him off, but he's also a great guy. And he, he he'll, he has been over backwards to help me in this job and with this company. So uh, if someone's looking for me to badmouth him, it's not going to happen. Cause I, I just, I just think he's great. I really, I wouldn't want to work for anyone else really. If he ever leaves that job, I don't know what I'm going to do. Cause part of the reason I think I like this so much is because he's our, our VP. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, he's a, he's a breath of fresh air in a lot of ways. And I can, I, I could see his intensity, but it's, it's, it's intensity with purpose too. I mean, there's those, there's those uh, execs and administrators or bosses for even that matter that have like an intensity about them. That's kind of like, it's hollow. It's just bluster. And there's not, there's a lot there, you know, with, with that intensity, that's like, like legitimate and sincere Mm -hmm. and passionate, you know, for a reason. Yeah. Uh, Which is, which is really nice considering, considering the role he's in and like the, the responsibility that you, you all hold too with some of these brands that we'll get into, but uh, do you want to take a little bit of a break? Cause I know we got to move along here, John, cause you do have an early flight tomorrow. Um, so this is a good spot, I think, for us to break into our presidential trivia. Yeah, segments. I could hang out for a, I could hang out for a while. Okay. I got you. I got you. Great. I got you. So. Uh, but yeah, our presidential trivia segment, which is always brought to you by United Cigars, uh, featuring La Giana Havana and uh, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, the Firecracker, and the highly acclaimed Atabay Byron, and now Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living United. Now, I could have gone obvious here, being from Scranton. I could have done a Joe Biden trivia question, but I thought we're going to stick with the state of Pennsylvania, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania here, and we're going to go James Buchanan. Okay, we're going to go back in the day here. So uh, James Buchanan, hailing from Pennsylvania, of course, was, here are your choices. It's multiple choice. Okay, so uh, was he A, known as a renowned orator that led him into politics? He was a lawyer, too. Um, Was he B, uh, had a fiance that committed suicide shortly after he broke off the engagement? C, did he fight in the march on Baltimore in the War of 1812? Did he, D, believe in the right to secession by the states? Or E, all of the above? Well, Bear, I've given this a lot of thought. And funny, I was just reading my James Buchanan uh, autobiography. Oh, that's good. All all Pennsylvania residents are required to. It's good, good, yeah. Military service in, in Israel. So uh, I'm going. I'm going with E. 
Military service. That's good. Uh, they just hand those out at the beginning of freshman year in high school, just like autobiographies of James Buchanan. Yeah. Um, you don't even do that book like A is for Apple. It's just James Buchanan's biography. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the answer is E, all of the above. That is correct. So uh, an attorney, he was known as a renowned orator that later, that's what actually led him into politics. Uh, heavily criticized for his uh, his role in, you know, Foreign Subner, obviously. Uh, believed in secession and uh and it, it the ironic part is is that it was still under his reign that you know his reign like he was the royalty but it was still under his presidency his administration when the first states actually seceded because it was after lincoln of course won the presidential mm-hmm. election um the uh man the, the the dark part of that trivia was that he broke off and he he's the only bachelor in history he's the only bachelor president in pre, in our in our history mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but that dark part of that is he, he actually was engaged to someone and she killed herself shortly after he broke off the engagement. I'm like, that's just, that, you I know, mean, you don't find those northerners that are pro succession and, uh, secession and, and eloquent order attorneys all the time. That's a major loss. So, yeah, oh, that is a shame. That is very dark. Like, you yeah. Know, we like to think that suicide is like this modern phenomenon, uh, although I think it's certainly caught on, sadly, uh, a bit much. But that's that's quite the story. I don't think I remember that part of the Buchanan history. Yeah, it, it's I, I I was diving into it a little bit uh, a while ago. Funnily enough, I actually have read a James Buchanan biography. Um, <laughs> but I, I remember because I, I remember being intrigued that, you know, about the fact that we've only had one bachelor president. And I was like, man, there's gotta be a reason there. Of course, you know, like any, anything that's off, you know, like, of course there was obviously there were, there were rumors about homosexuality and things like that, you know, that kind of, you know, of course, because, you know, Hey, if you're not married, you've, you know, all these assumptions, all, all these assumptions have to fly around and stuff. But, um, but yeah, it was it was really sad. I read that I read that about that that, that his fiance had committed suicide shortly after he broke it off and everything. I was like, um, I didn't. I, I I wish I had been able to read further. I would have. It would have to humanize him a little bit, like how his reaction was to it. Like, I mean, was he cold blooded and didn't care, or, or did he actually yeah. did it actually really affect him? And I couldn't find anything. That was the, that was the sad part about that part of the story that I just couldn't. I couldn't really find anything. I think it. he just I think he just tweeted like a crying I think if I remember correctly. <laughs> One of the original POTUS handles, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. I didn't expect James Buchanan to come up in the interview of all the stuff, but that was uh, well, that was good though. That was well, good. That was a good curveball. Like, like, like I said, Joe Biden, the curveball segment's coming up later, John. So um, but the uh uh yeah, I, I I thought it was too on the nose to go with uh, Scranton's own son, Joe Biden. So I figured you'd you'd be the shining star of Scranton tonight. So we talked just about you. Um, yeah, well, I guess she wasn't a president, but Hillary Clinton had some Scranton roots as well. But mm-hmm, uh, that's right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, not not. She doesn't qualify for the topic. So yeah. Uh, I did do a first lady trivia question uh, last week, but uh, but yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that was our a presidential trivia segment, which is always a brought to you by United Cigars, featuring La Giana Vent, distributors of Jose Mingus, Bandolero, Garofalo, The Firecracker, and the highly acclaimed Atabe, Byron, and now Alfonso Lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living United. We thank our friends at United Cigar 
for all things presidential and all things fun here on LS Fumar Takes. So moving on, uh, this is a this is one of my favorite segments that we do, John. And you know, I know you and I talked a little bit about it when we were we were putting this interview together. Um, really got to thank Justin Andrews for for uh, getting this uh, conversation going again so we can continue our great conversation for PCA this year. And again, Victoria for as well for getting us the cigars tonight. I've just lit up my second Bull Moose uh, Maduro uh, 5x60 Robusto Gordo. And uh, yeah, I mean, the first one was, was good. I mean, I lit up a second one, so I, I can't suck that much, right? It's not, it's yeah. really, it's really good. I, um, man, like it's just an easy going smoke. I'm just really digging it. I am like, it's just one of those things. I just, and I'm not a big yeah, gauge is, guy. I'm not a big gauge guy. I think that's it, the most surprising for me. Very easy. It, yeah, it's, yeah, I, I certainly am not either. I mean, I'm, I'm historically, I'm a Robusto guy. I just love, I know Toro is so popular uh, to me. I think because I am always so about variety. You know, if I go out to the cigar bar, which I have been apt to known to do, uh, I'll I say I'm gonna oh I'm gonna be there three hours. I'll bring fifteen cigars because I don't want to like take oh I'm gonna go smoke two and then pick one. And then when I'm done, I'll look at fourteen cigars and pick another one. So I think the thing for me about robustos is there are it's a, a big enough ring gauge and you can enjoy it without being too big, but it's also and it's long enough that you can get, you know, 45 minutes, an hour, maybe hour, 15 minutes out of it. Uh, but you're, it's not that long. So I can then maybe smoke, instead of smoking one Churchill or two Churchills, I can smoke three Robustos, have three different things. It's about that kind of variety for me. So, you know, I'm normally a, a Robusto or, you know, I love Lanceros. I would, I would, if more things were available in Lancero, I would smoke more of them. Although I think it's partly about the, uh, how well they're made and also the blend. Uh, but yeah, so I'm not a big, you know, 60 plus ring gauge smoker myself, but yeah, I mean, this, it, it sounds stupid, but kind of smoke smaller. Like I don't feel like I'm, uh, dislocating my jaw to smoke this thing. And it's, and it is good. It's a very, Easy smoke, you know, it's got a the little draw is impeccable for a big, it, big gauge. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a little like leathery, little chocolatey, but not certainly not pepper bomb, certainly not overpowering. Like, I was expecting way, that. I, re- I really was <laughs> like, I was expecting yeah. some, like some oomph yeah. and it's good. Cause I honestly, like I've been, man, my allergy has been awful this week. I haven't really smoked that much. So I was like preparing myself. So like I ate a nice meal tonight and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to get into this bull moose, baby. We're going to do this. And, you know, but it's nice. It's easy going. Like I could, I could smoke these on the reg for sure. I mean, especially yeah. with the, the price point and everything. So, yeah. Uh, but before we get into the other brands that you managed to, and then wrap up with some other questions, we do have, like I said, our favorite segment here on LS from our takes is, is our, our, our charity segment. I'm, I, I, I love this part, John, cause and I, you know, we talked, we talked about it a little off air before we kicked off the mm-hmm. interview is um, it's just uh it's just something that I really enjoy learning about what people are passionate about when it comes to nonprofits and charity. So I, as for, if you're new, if you're a new member of audience, just tuning in for the first time, I always ask my guests to bring a nonprofit or charity that they're passionate about. Um, and so I went, uh, you, you decided on the Luzerne foundation, which of course is named for the County that you grew up in and, and still, you know, 50% of the time still live in and everything. <laughs> so, 
Uh, so tell us a little bit about this foundation and, and why it's so important to you. Thank you, Bear. And I'm glad to be able to talk about it. Luzerne Foundation is you know, exactly what it sounds like. It's based in Luzerne County, uh, and it's just a charitable organization, a nonprofit that kind of helps other people. It sort of just brings together the haves and the have-nots in the community. So it is basically just, uh, it's a way, they like to say it's like a way for good people to be able to do good things. They help them do So for instance, there's they give away about four to five million dollars or more every year in grants and scholarships. So it's all for people that are residents of Luzerne County. Most of the money is coming from people in Luzerne County. So, you know, just say there you were a very wealthy person <laughs> and you wanted to give sure. and we'll you, you know, <laughs> and you give money to, to charities or you wanted okay. to help people, but you didn't know exactly what to do. You you know, you can contact them. And they would set up this fund for you. And then mm-hmm. through the, or, the, uh, the uh, activities they do, they would like kind of parse up your money and, you know, oh, Bear, like the, the Bear Foundation is, you know, giving $5 million to this scholarship or to this hospital. So they will have scholarships for just say, you know, students from the area who want to go to college and can't afford it, they'll, and there may not be huge scholarships, but there'll be, you know, a couple thousand bucks a year guaranteed for the four years that will help these people out. Uh, or the other thing that, that is very common for them is, you know, people want to have a nonprofit or a charity and they don't know how to do it. You would come to them and they would set everything up for you, like do all the, the paperwork to create your nonprofit and even manage it for you. So all you have to really do is kind of have, have the concept. And, you know, as an example, uh, sadly, and we mentioned, you know, I played lacrosse in college. Still always loved it. I, I coached youth lacrosse in the area because, you know, it wasn't available when I was a kid and then it came. So I, you know, I coached my son in lacrosse for about seven years. One of the kids I coached, uh, just really nice kid, super smart, just a sweet, happy kid. Uh, all these kids are grown. He was, he's an, he was an engineering student at Dartmouth, you know, Ivy League. Uh, apparently had, I didn't know, I lost touch with him after, you know, 13 when I stopped coaching him. But his great family, great kid, friends of, of other families I knew, uh, passed away in college, you know, from the, the terminal cancer or something, which is horrible. Just the nicest kid. I can't even imagine. So the this Luzerne Foundation, you know, contacted someone on behalf of the family contacted them. They set up this this memorial fund for this this kid. So there's like, and they did everything. They set it up. They made this this whole this whole charity organization for this one particular thing. Uh, and now, you know, to help other people, there's going to be a scholarship in this kid's name mm-hmm. to memorialize him. And really, they didn't have to do anything other than contact them. And they set everything up and then it just managed through them. And I, it's a it's not like a lot of the places you feel like, oh, I'm going to donate money to I'm not going to say it a charity. But, you know, oh, but for every you, know, you see the statistics for every dollar you donate, like 10 cents actually gets to the starving people or whatever. I believe, and I don't you know, work for the, the foundation. I have friends that do, friends that I respect. But 
you know, if, if you, whatever money you give them, they I think they take like 2% or something as the administration fee, which is ridiculously low. And what they do is 1%, one of that 2% is actually goes into another charity. So although you're paying 2%, 1% of it's actually going into another charity, which is the way they kind of help fund other charities uh, through it, throughout it. But, you know, they've given money to like University of Scranton to, to buy equipment for uh, clinics that they do for free clinics and, and just things of that nature. And it's just, it's, it's just very broad. You know, it's not very specific. Most charities or nonprofits are very, you know, oh, children of, children of coal miners who want to study biology. You know, you, right. you're, this is a scholarship for it. This is sort of, you know, there's just funds for everything. If you just want to donate money to donate to spread out, they can manage all of that. Uh, and it just is continuously finding people who want to do good and then and taking that and then distributing it out within the community. And Luzerne County is not a huge community. So keeping it within that area is, is important because there are a lot of economically challenged people in the area. And it really kind of helps uh, some of the people who are having trouble through no fault of their own, you know, can kind of get a bit of a leg up. Uh, you know, another person, well, my, one of my good friends that I used to work with became the CEO of this foundation a few years ago and is really just stepping it up for them and, and bringing in more and more funds and doing more and more things and is really doing great work there. But, you know, long before all of that, uh, one of my good friends from high school had a younger sister uh, who was my, my, his sister and my sister were the same age. And my sister was good friends with her. Very sadly passed away at a very, very young age. Mm. Uh, and so when I was in, when I went to, to, to see the place on the wall is this old newspaper story. And, and they actually created the, the charity in her name like 30 years ago. So I kind of have that connection too. I go in there and I see that picture of, uh, well, I don't want to say the name, but our friend Leanne, uh, who passed away, you know, maybe twenty years old. So nice. uh, they just really are helping people. And even you know, if you were, God forbid, the parent whose child died, you want to really do something for them. But for you to like go hire a lawyer and try to set up a a, a nonprofit and all that to, to create a, how would you create a scholarship? I have no idea. Uh, you know, they'll, hey, we'll do all that for you, you know, and it's, it's just, it's a great thing. And I really appreciate the work they do, especially for that area. There's a lot of people in the area that can use the help. So the Luzerne Foundation, if anyone's interested, it's lznfdn.org. Like, yeah, I've actually got Foundation. it in the, yeah, I've got it in the chat and I'll be putting it in the show notes later for sure. Awesome. And, yeah. Appreciate that, Tara. Yeah, no, I, I I appreciate you, John. And uh, it, this is something a project that I started a few years ago uh, on my birthday, no less. Of my birthday this year in October, so next month I'll be celebrating three years of doing this every week with uh, different guests and stuff, different different charities every week. And uh, later tonight I'll be making a donation in your honor. Uh, oh. Small, but small, but uh, but always uh, but always appreciate people bringing some great uh, some great uh, causes to the to the table. So. Cool well, thank you. I appreciate that. And again, that's one of the, you know, they do these charity golf tournaments and stuff to raise money as well. So when they do, I'm always donating cigars, uh, you know, so that 
the, the people that are there donating money can get a little reward. So there were, uh, I think there was some, definitely some Partigas Cortados and some Shady Mooses uh, and some other stuff this year at the tournament, I'm pretty sure. Awesome. Well, let's jump into that because, like, there was a couple brands that we missed. Again, you you manage a couple of brands there for for both General and Forge. Now, this is interesting. Um, how? Because I mean, there was this General makes STG decides to make this split, to, defining there's brands that are fall under the General portfolio, and then they created this whole new company with Forged, which right. Chill and Moose is a part of, La Gloria Cabana, which you mentioned, Diesel, Room One Hundred One, Alec Bradley. Uh, Partagas, a couple of others, right? And so, right. Um, so Partagas is part of that, and then you manage right. another brand that's not inside that portfolio. So let's start with Partagas, uh, which I've always pronounced uh, um, Partagas. Partagas, so yeah, Partagas. Uh, uh, but uh, which is probably correct. It's like it's like Hackam, Hakem, Hakeem. Yeah, we're doing a lot of pronunciation. Wilkesboro, Wilkesbury, <laughs> Wilkesbar. Uh, yeah, we're just doing a lot with pronunciation tonight. Um, but this is a very iconic brand that that STG has had under its portfolio, and now part of the Forge Cigar Company, or I call it the Forge Family Cigar Brands. That's just my little nickname for it. But it, it is in a lot of ways. So, um, well, like, and I think it's appropriate. You were talking about how you guys really are. You guys are really close knit, and it, you know, it, mm-hmm. it really, it. I, I, you kind of saw that at this year's trade show. I mean, it really was like a yeah. a, a family. You know, um, you know you know, um, just between all of you guys and everything and gals. And so um, what's it been, what was it like, you know, when, so you have Chill and Moose, which is a completely different offset. And then you, you counter that with, you know, probably I would say next to Cohiba, it's probably what the most, it's definitely the most historic brand in the portfolio. Yeah, I, I would say I think it is. I think, think Partagas is probably the mis- most historic cigar brand in the world. It's not the oldest, uh, but to me, you know, I always, and Partagas was not the first brand I got when I got here, but really to me as a guy that's been a student of cigars and a smoker of cigars for a long time, if someone were just to say to me generically Partagas or cigar. I would think parties like the two brands that I think of immediately as historic legendary brands and kind of define what cigar means would be Partigas and Bolivar. Like, I mean, to me, those are two old historic brands that really sure. have legacy that have they, their names just carry a lot of weight. And Cohiba is a huge brand now, you know, in, in, in both countries, but honestly, that's, it's a baby in the, in the world. It's a, of it's a new yeah, jack. Yeah, it it's, a, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a baby. A, it's a post embargo company. Like you know, it, it, Partigas has been around since 1845, and you think of the fact when you think of the great men that were involved with this this company. You know, from Heine Partigas, the the Sefuentes and Sefuentes' son, like Ramon Sefuentes. I, I, I mean, really, if we're looking at it, it has more to do other than the name, has more to do with Partigas than Heine Partigas did. I mean, yes. it was under Sequentes that it became like this biggest brand in the world. Uh, and, you know, he ultimately, through several places, ends up in the Dominican Republic and 
you know, almost from the very beginning partners of General Cigar or sells to General Cigar. And, and we, we've had them ever since. Uh, but it's just, it's just historic. I think to me, there's just such a legacy about the brand and a reverence to it. But I think sometimes people talk about it and it's almost like this royalty kind of thing. And I don't know that that's what, to me, that's not what Partagas is. Partagas is really this sort of, sort of like erudite artsy, like to me, it's like artsy writers, you know, and like playwrights and, uh, you know, people who are in the know with, with Partagas. It's not necessarily this in your face, flashiest, you know, uh, the shiniest, shiniest penny, you know, it's more, you know, if we're, you know, if we're thinking about the hip hop references, it's not, you know, puffy in a shiny suit, you know, it's more like, you know, something like a KRS one that's been around mm-hmm. from the very beginning, who's legendary, who the people who know, know, uh, and it's just real represents, you know, kind of quality and not, flash or not necessarily even price it's just it's that quality that comes from that heritage that comes from that knowledge i mean all all the stuff the innovations in fermentation and the innovations in like reading to torcedors as they're rolling and uh just you know using the cameroon wrapper when you know many many people were not like that was there's all these innovations that kind of happened through this brand I just really think that there's, it's getting to the point where it's sad in that some of these brands that are so historic and old uh, are kind of looked at as old in the pejorative sense, not old in the, you know, I should listen to my elders kind of sense. Uh, So I think people look past them. And I think a lot of some of our legacy brands kind of have that sort of problem in the marketplace with certain consumers because it's sort of you take things for granted. Like, you know, if you go to a cigar shop, they're going to have Punch, they're going to have Partagas, they're going to have some of these these brands. So they're always there. And, you know, and I, I was certainly this way as a consumer too. What's new? You know, what's the newest yeah. thing you got? What just came out? And there's all these guys. And I, I really do think there's like two consumers in the whole cigar market. There's the person who is, just fixed in their ways and yeah. they're the box buyer that's like i smoke partigas yellow label mm-hmm. and every month i'm going to go buy my box of partigas yellow label and i'm going to smoke i don't want to hear about what roma craft is doing or what you know this room 101 what's that all these newfangled things i don't want to know uh you know they never try anything else or yeah. there's the guys that only want what they can't get they're like what's the what's the limited edition yeah. Can I guess what's, up? the what's uh, new what's new type yeah it's the, it's those two yeah, yeah. and actually the majority of the people are the former rather than the latter the majority yeah, just, it's, it's, it's sort of like the silent majority you know like mm-hmm. because they're not making the noise they're not writing the blogs they're not doing the the cigar reviews online or whatever you well, kind they're of your dad they, they're your dad. Yeah. Give me, give me my Macanudo and shut the hell up. Right. Like, you know, or whatever. You know? Yeah. My dad was probably more of the, uh, whatever someone gives me a box of is what I'm going to smoke. Cause people would bring him boxes of cigars and something nice. as a cigar smoker. So he's like, you know what? He was never about what, what the thing was or what the thing costs. He was like, what, what the deal is. Like you could buy him a really nice jacket that costs a lot of money. And then someone would give him a free jacket from somewhere. 
that's the one he would wear because hey, I got this for free. You know, that that's sort of that nice. sort of like the the a Christmas story dad, you know, like it's a major award. So uh but but yeah, the point is well taken. Yeah, you get your your one thing is your go-to, you know it's good, uh, and you just stick with it. I mean, and yeah. that's I've actually seen guys review, and I know we're talking about partigas, but I've seen guys actually review uh, some punch cigars. And I, the guy literally said, you know, I, I, they're in the shop all the time, so I just kind of like walk past them. But then every time I go and pick one up and smoke it, I kind of forget how good these are. You know, and I think that is really the experience with mm-hmm. a lot of these brands, you know, your punches, your partigas, uh, and things that aren't as, as new and flashy. They're just, you know, good, well-made cigars, and they're always available. And we've tried, we try to do new things and bring out something new to get – you know, people's attention to it. And the, you know, obviously the hope is, oh, here's this shiny new penny. Uh, take a look at it. And then remember, that's a good brand. Try the other stuff as well and move people backwards. Or go, into, or go back. Yeah. 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 yeah I think punch is, punch is one of those interesting ones. And that's, again, that's the, that's the third brand you manage, which is on the general side of the portfolio. Again, another iconic brand, the one that kind of goes, the, I don't get, punch and why people pass it you brought you brought it up john so this was actually going to come up so it's funny that you brought it up i don't get why people don't like give it and you guys have certainly give it god here's the here comes the pun you guys have given it a punch if you you know punched it up a few times the uppercut from a few years ago this is before your time there but that was yeah, that was a cigar like you guys used omentepe tobacco is one of the first cigars that i ever smoked with omentepe and yeah, I mean that thing. I mean that thing certainly was an uppercut. I mean it it, it packed, you know, it packed a yeah. wall up. But it, like I thought, the Punch Diablo was good. Um, still is, and st- you know, still is, and it, it just like, man, there's there's been some f- good stuff, and like you yeah, said, you go all... back to it, the rare Corojo, which doesn't have Corojo in it, got a jabby on that, but it's still a great cigar. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it's people love it. I mean, that's a lot of people's favorite punch cigar uh you know we did some stuff with our social media and we'll always do these well what's your favorite you know pick your whatever and it's you know multiple choice and we actually had people in the comments angry we didn't put rare corojo how could you leave rare corojo out that's that's the best one and and people really are loyal to sort of like their favorites mm-hmm. in there but it's one of the original honduran cigar brands it's you know, again it's it, the punch as a brand has been around since 1840 even older than parts of us. And then, but everything in there is sort of that medium. Like there's nothing that's super mild. There's other than Diablo, which, you know, is a relatively recent thing, which is all Nicaraguan made by AJ Hernandez, uh, which is certainly a full bodied cigar uh, with the exception of maybe some of the Classico and the double Maduro. Like it's all just a, you know, a medium, medium plus cigar. That's a really well-made good draw. I mean, Signature is a great cigar. Uh, I, oh, I, I forgot those about a lot. that. Those are great. Yeah. Holy. See, that's, other, that's an example, right? Like, right. I, yeah, it's such, that's so good. That's a great cigar. Yeah. And like we, you know, I, every once in a while, just get the Classico, you know, the Punch Blue Box, that Rothschild size in the double Maduro. Like that's a really nice, potent little stick in a small little Rothschild. That's a great cigar. I mean, I, I love the little double Maduro Rothschild. I think it's, I think it's great. I mean, I know sales wise, the the EMS sells better than the Maduro or double Maduro, but 
for me, coming from where I come from and what I like, I love the double Maduro. Well, I don't want to even the the Grand Cru number two Maduro. Like, yeah, that's, that's the, another one. Yeah, there you three go. rated top ten cigars, and it, you you forget. Like, even even I have to go back and dig that one out. Like, oh yeah, I haven't had one of those in a while. I'm like, this is really a really really good cigar. I would love to do an experiment where we take the band off and tell somebody it's some new you know boutique new brand and get them to smoke it, and they'd be like. Yeah. You see what they actually say. Yeah, we're experimenting with this. Just try it out. Yeah, no, and, and I know we're, I want to go back to Partagas because there's a couple of new things that you guys are doing yeah. with it. But since we're on the topic of punch, we'll stay here for a second. The, the golden era. What a cool project this is. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, yeah, this. I mean, this is fantastic. What a partner, a partnership, um, with another. You know, we talked about the Partagas uh, name, Sefuentes. You know, but Julio Roa, man, dialing it up for punch for you, Golden Era, man. I mean, what a what a great partnership this is. Uh, I mean, tell us a little bit about how that this the, this partnership came together for this particular project. Uh, yeah, again, and you're I, thank you for saying. I, I love this cigar. I'm smoking one now. I, I it's this is one of my favorite cigars in the entire company. Uh, it's just so good, and it's a little milder than what I would normally smoke, a little more mellow, but just so good and so flavorful. I just, I love it. But it, so we had a plan, you know, we're working on these plans well in advance, like well, well in advance. So my project was, I was working on, I wanted to come up with something that was a little more elegant and upscale as a full-time cigar mm-hmm. or punch, because most of our stuff lives in the same price range, same sort of that, again, medium, medium plus profile, sort of eight to $10 range. And I wanted to come up with something like when we did the 180, the Anniversario, uh, was a higher price point, uh, and it was really successful. Great cigar. People really liked it. And I, my thought was, let's make something like that full time. So I was actually working on the naming convention and the packaging and blends. I was working on blends with the factory for this upscale cigar I was going to make. And then in the meantime, somehow I think Justin, you know, doing what he does with third parties, kind of came to me and said, hey, Aero wants to work with you on a punch cigar, like a Corojo. I'm like, again, I'm a boutique cigar guy before I got to this company and I still smoke them and I still like them. Uh, you know, those, those, and I'm a Lancero guy. So those right. Corojo Lanceros, the oh, Aladino yeah. Lancero, like the Corojo Reserva, love them. Like, hell yeah, let's do that. So. You know, Husto, Julio's son, was sending, sent some test blends and, uh, yeah, I won't go into what they were, but like they're mostly Corojo and they're all Corojo. And we were smoking them, giving some feedback. And, and then I had to change the concept because like this is kind of a different animal now. It's like a cigar, kind of like our Diablo made for us by somebody else. And it's, but to me, it was really all about that kind of heritage and that tobacco, you know, like you can have something that's all about the packaging. Like my dad bod was certainly all about the packaging coming in, in the beer cans, although it was, it was still a, a good cigar. This is all about tobacco. You know, it's about this Corojo. It's about really the last true authentic Corojo in the world. If, if you ask me uh, that this family has been sort of the keepers of for such a long time. And the way they do things there in this Bayer Crop Science project they're part of, 
with the entire uh, the entire Vegas surrounded by eucalyptus trees to keep out wind and mm-hmm. to give shade and to protect the the very delicate Corojo from blue mold and from bugs and from everything else. You have to go through decontamination chambers to get in. Uh, and it's this kind of, you know, that was when people talk about Cuban cigars back in the day and that sort of flavor uh, that they have and what made them so special, it was kind of that Corojo wrapper. That's what they all had. And so to me, that's what this was all about. This is that throwback cigar where it's not super strong. It's a medium, maybe medium minus bodied cigar that just is elegant. That just has that real Corojo flavor. And, you know, it's, that's where Golden Era came from. Like, this is the scar that'll, that'll take you back. And even the ad we did was, you know, normally you would say the opposite, but this is your grandfather's Corojo. This is what he smoked back in the day if he were cool enough to smoke cool cigars like this. <laughs> and just, you know, the, the blue and the gold, which are punch, you know, mainstay colors, just really kind of bring it out, putting it in a wood box. Not a very fancy wood box. It's not, you know, piano gloss but you know if you have something that's valuable you keep it in a sturdy container like if you have if you or your wife or your kids have jewelry you've got a little wood box or a jewelry box on your on the the nightstand that you put your jewelry in Uh, or your watches in a watch box like that's this is in that wood box to protect this because this is something that needs to be protected because it's that good and it's just that story of this very old heritage tobacco that almost went away forever, but it's, it's still here, uh, you know, protected by this family in Honduras, four miles from our, our factory. And uh, I just think that the packaging and the marketing and the cigar just all fit together so well, really proud of it. And I know when, you know, Husto was around, he's very proud of it as well, uh, you know, to the point where they're excited about it. I had to send Husto and Julio the dad the, the punch bobbleheads that you know we do every year. Uh, so there's actually Julio Aroa has one on his desk now, so nice. that makes me very proud. There that, you go. That's that my job uh, at that point. Nice. And just to, just to go back, I know we 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 kind of touched some part of this, but there's two projects too that you guys are working that uh, they are kind of like the newer ones. Mm-hmm. Again, there's another release that you guys are doing out of Miami. You have several projects that you guys have done yeah. out of Miami, and this one's the De Bronze, um, yeah. which is, um, I mean, what a. Again, I think it's great that this brand is getting a, a kind of it's it's uh, it's nod to Miami, so to speak. Uh, opportunity and everything so uh we'll talk to us a little bit about this project so we have as a company partnered with el titan de bronze a few times uh and you know we talked about part of this and the heritage and and the history of it people who are cigar people have great reverence for this brand so when we talk to people this is usually the brand people want to work on uh a variety of people all kind of want to work on part of this so Sandy and the team was really excited to want to do a part of this with us. So we had El Titan, El Titan de Bronze make this, this part of this for us. And then the game came to the naming. Uh, if you've ever been there, and I'm sure you have, El Titan de Bronze is now spelled like American Bronze, B-R-O-N-Z-E. But the original spelling was a Spanish spelling. And there's a sign right in the back of the rolling gallery 
as El Titan de Bronze with a C, which I loved. And I remember telling Sandy, you should switch the name back. She said, well, too late for that. But so when we did this cigar with them, I really wanted it to be an homage to their heritage and the Spanish history of both of these brands. And so we called it Partagas de Bronce uh, as, a, as a nod to our partners in Miami. And it's just a beautiful cigar. It, you know, it's that, you know, six and a quarter by 46, very traditional size. Nicaragua, all Nicaraguan tobacco, Nicaraguan Corojo wrapper. Uh, I, I mean, you've seen the box. I think the packaging is, is remarkable. I, ju I just think it's a beautiful, amazing cigar. Uh, I know I said this about Golden Era as well, but it is one of my favorite cigars in, in our entire portfolio. And I, I think it's one of my favorite cigars to come out of that factory as well. Uh, I was also very partial to the Laboria 8th Street, just because it was kind of very much reminded mm -hmm. me of the old, uh, the old Laborias that were made in Miami. That was such just, a great nod. It was, yeah, it was such a one of the first full-bodied cigars you'd ever had. Remember how strong Laborias people thought they were back then? Oh yeah, like before we keep taking it up a notch every, yeah. every other keep year. dialing it up. Yeah. So, I mean, that was like more Lajero now. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing to me about Sandy and her team. You know, we've gone to her with three different companies, you know, and they, we've done several cigars for those companies. But when you smoke those cigars, and I'm going to trust that you probably smoked at least a few of them. Yeah. They, they really know the identities of these brands, like our Partigas de Bronze smokes like a part of it. You know, that the, the La Gloria is absolutely a La Gloria. It's so much stronger uh, than the other one. It's a very, you know, full bodied, bigger ring gauge. It's just, it's a La Gloria. And the Cohibas that they've made, you know, they're very Cohiba. Like, so that's the beauty of it, the artistry of it for me. Like they didn't just make the same cigar and put different bands on it. They really have the identity and the personality of that brand. And I think that part of the Bronze is just, I think, fantastic. I think, you know, it is a much higher price point for Partigas. I do think, you know, history is going to come back and kind of anoint that cigar. I think it was, it was, it is really good. I think it's really beautifully packaged. I just think the whole concept of it with the hand, each box is hand signed by the roller that rolled that box. I just love all of that. And I think, you know, people are going to look back on it in a few years and go, oh, man, remember how great that cigar was, how cool that whole concept was. Uh, I, and I, I, I think it's, it's just great. I'm lucky enough to have still the sample bundles that they sent me that I oh, nice. you know, keep pu pulling out once in a while. You know, I, I, I smoke them all the time. And when they're gone, they're gone. But smoke them if you got them, you know. But I, I do love that. I love Sandy and Giselle. And I love that team. And I love the little... That that's they put the B in boutique down there. That's a tiny little. It's oh like a, yeah, it's like it's like the corner store you used to buy your candy in, but they're rolling cigars. And it, it's funny, like that place. Believe it or not, it's very like my look. My my I'm, my roots are here in Texas. I grew up in El Paso, Texas. Man, that that factory reminds me like there's smells in there. And my look, and my my grandmother never did anything with tobacco, right? But there's smells in there, and there's a look and a feel to that place that reminds me of my grandmother's home. 
It's really bizarre. It's so bizarre. <laughs> and, and and Sandy is just an absolute, just an impressive, impressive figure in this industry. She's uh, fantastic. Her I life have, story is just, I, I could sit in that back room and talk to her for days. Like she, I just, I love her to death. She's just such a great story. Mm-hmm. Just the way she came here and the age she came here and the things she did even before she got into this were just amazing to me. And just to have her to have the, you know, the courage and the ability as a, you know, Cuban immigrant, you know, in her teens to be breaking into like other professions and opening her own businesses at, you know, very, very young ages uh, for at that time in history, which is way less tolerant than this time in history, you know, as a female, as an immigrant, as a Spanish speaking person to do all that is just remarkable. And she's just, she is, she's definitely one of my favorite people in the industry for sure. A model of perseverance and just dedication. Like it's just, um, and just a, just an incredibly sweet person too. Like, I think that, you know, one of my, I, I remember just her having a conversation about like, yeah, she's like, you know, we, it, it, you know, does the manufacturer doesn't matter, but it was just like, yeah, we have a, we have a handshake agreement. That's all we need. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Like, yeah. She's like, yeah, if, if I don't want to do business with you anymore, I can walk away. If you don't want to do business with me anymore, you can walk away. It's, it's the best thing ever. And I was like, wow, people like this still exist. That's crazy. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's just wonderful. So yeah, no, yeah. she's she's an, she's amazing and so great that you guys get to partner with her on so many of these projects. The Valley Verde is a new one as well from Partagas too as well. What 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 would what made this particular project so special uh, for you personally as well? Because I know this was something that you you were really excited about too. Yeah, I mean, well, one of the things is I finally got to do a green and gold band, which I just love. Uh, but so, like I said before, when we talk about Partagas, there's sort of this history of innovation there with them, with us. And it's you know, not always the, the biggest change, but sort of to me, that innovation is sort of like is the tradition, which is weird because innovation is changing and tradition is, you know, traditional and historic. But it, that's their that's the history of Partagas is constantly, you know, first Cameroon, first this, after that. So this is the first ever San Andreas wrapped Partagas. And then also we did three full-time sizes and then we did one limited edition, which is the box press Delicoso, which is also, you know, very, very few box press. I mean, the only box press cigar in the lineup is the legend, but other than that, there are, there are no box press. Right. Uh, and the other unique thing for me, so there's a million San Andreas cigars. I love San Andreas. Like, you know, I like full body Nicaraguans. Many of them are wrapped in these dark, uh, you know, San Andreas Maduro wrappers, which I love. This is not, you know, a Maduro wrapper. It's a natural San Andreas. And the San Andreas wrapper is from the 2020 crop. So it's, you know, it's an age three-year-old San Andreas wrapper. It's got, you know, the history of, of Partagas, at least as far as we're concerned, is that yellow box, the, the Cameroon. So it's got an eight-year-old Cameroon binder. And then the fillers are Nicaraguan Lijero from Esteli and Jalapa, and then some, some more Mexican San Andreas. So, you, you know, you hear San Andreas 
you hear Cameroon, you hear Lejero from Nicaragua, you hear San Andreas and the rapper or in the filler, you think this is going to be really, you know, this is going to be like a Skip Martin special. And, and it is, it is absolutely not. And I'm, and I'm hoping you had gotten to smoke one because the, the, just the way the aging affects this tobacco uh, and the way they play together, this, you know, Lajero, which is obviously Lajero, it's strong in the filler, but then that aged Cameroon binder and that aged natural San Andreas wrapper, not Maduro, it just is really a very elegant San Andreas cigar. It is not a pepper bomb. Again, it's not a full body cigar. You get like sweetness from the wrapper because it's San Andreas, but it's kind of like really muted, like cocoa, like powdered cocoa sweetness, not like biting into a stock of sugarcane sweetness like you would get. Mm. And you get some spice from Cameroon, like you would expect. But again, it's eight years old, so it's sort of sure. muted. And then you get a little bit of that pepper from the Lajero, but it's still a medium bodied cigar. It's not like you could, if you smoke as many cigars as I would assume you or I do. Uh, you know, this this could be your morning coffee cigar. I mean, I, I would probably suggest the, the the Connecticut Shade Cortado instead, but it's not full bodied. It's just very medium, but it's got I, little bits of pepper. It's got little bits of spice. I it just we we say it's the only San Andreas that's worthy to wear the Partigas crest. Well, both of those cigars too. I think that the it's, you you the elegance of it too, like the the, the look, the green. With that, the De Bronze, with the uh, with that particular one, they're they're just beautifully made cigars, and then also in that the packaging on this is just very elegant, and it just, I think it's very, it's like you said, it's very to to use uh, use your words here, it's very deserving of 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 the crest because, um, you know, those are those are some fabulous fabulous products that you guys put out for for again for a brand that we we've said it's just been it's been around for I mean over 200 years 250 years almost <laughs> at this point so it's like crazy or uh, 150 years rather i could do math i promise um yeah but next year next uh 2025 will be 180 years for yeah part of this that's crazy you, you guys might have a celebration i was gonna say do you have anything planned for that or we might do something we might do a post on social media sounds good there'll be there'll be something fantastic well good 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 well, John, I, can't, I, can't, we can't give you all the secrets. Barry. I understand that. I totally understand. Um, well, John, again, I, I can't thank you enough for tonight's conversation. We've got a few more questions to wrap up tonight's evening, uh, but sure. these are all fun uh, and they're not multiple choice, but uh, they're all they're all fun segments to be sure. So no more presidential trivia, um, but uh, but good stuff uh, on nonetheless. So uh, let's kick things off with our everything uh, everybody eats segment sponsored by Pastani Cigars. If you're always make sure that your servant's towel is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Pastani Cigars is more than just great cigars made by cool people. They embody an attitude of gratitude and grit. With Pastani, everybody eats. So John, this is gonna. There's a couple of variations. Interesting, interesting, interesting Pastani uh, trivia. I actually know a lawyer at home whose name is uh uh Wojtek, which is 
the uh, the, the war bear. Uh, war bear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey. Which is the only reason I knew how to pronounce it uh, when that when I first had that cigar because I know a guy. You're one of the me. only people who did. Yeah, so we all call it the war bear because we can't pronounce anything from 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 yeah. Mike, <laughs> Mike, Mike, and Greg do such a great job. I love I love their smokes. Their new Connecticut's fire, man. It's good stuff. Uh, but this is the everybody eats segment. So we uh, tonight we're going to ask you the guest. What's a food or dish that uh, um, was your best experience eating with other people? What is your best experience? Now, now this, that, does this mean I'm sharing this or I was out eating with other people when I had uh, this? Yeah, same. Up to interpretation, but yeah, either column A, column B, whatever you want. Well, I will say one of the best meals or probably the best meal I have ever had in my life was in Paris, uh, in sort of that, there's a very weird area that's right between like the arts district and the red light district, like Montmartre is up on the hill, mm-hmm. which is very where the arts is. And then uh, Moulin Rouge and everything is, is down at the bottom of the hill. So right in between, we went to this restaurant called Chez Toinette. There's a little hole in the wall that I found on like TripAdvisor. And I had this this duck, this canard, as we say in in France, uh, with some sort of whipped vegetable that I still don't know what it is, but it, in some sort of, again, I barely speak French. I know a few words, but it was by far probably the best meal I have ever eaten anywhere in the world in my entire life. It was just so good. And I was with, you know, I was with someone, I was with my wife, but then just because of how I am, there's, you know, you're pretty close to together. There was a couple to my right. There was an older man who lived right in the neighborhood who was an artist with his girlfriend of 40 years. But of course it's France, so you don't get married. And there was another tourist couple to my, to my left uh, who, you know, we all shared, like there was some sort of whipped vegetable. I don't know if it was whipped uh, sweet potatoes or carrots but it was this almost like mashed potatoes, but it was sweet and it was just like, it was just delicious. And we were all sort of speaking to each other, trying to figure out what this was and like how much crack they put in it, because I could have just eaten a bucket full of it. But the fantastic. And neither my wife nor I really eat red meat. Um, I'm, I'm pretty militant about it. She will occasionally dabble. But so she's like, yeah, I'm in France. I'll get the veal. And she, to this day, thinks she doesn't eat red meat. The veal she had in this restaurant was the best meal she's ever had anywhere of any sort. That's funny. I love veal. Um, when it's prepared well, it's, 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 it's immaculate. I love hole-in-the-wall places, too, especially when you travel. Mm-hmm. Like it, and you find just that kind of that hidden gem and stuff. Um, it's, man, it's, it's, it's truly fantastic. The, yeah, because first of all, I didn't know what we we're getting into because we we you know get off the metro and it's all of the red light district places. You know, Moulin Rouge would be one of the classier ones. There's some other places I won't get into, and we go up this dark street. I'm like, oh, this is this is someone setting us up on TripAdvisor, and then you know you get to the the address and it just it just looks dim, and you open the door and you open the door and it's like a curtain, and you got like push through this like red curtain, and then you're in this little tiny you know restaurant so it was it was it was a very cool experience i was you know we met people there we talked we had a fantastic meal 
yeah, I, I love, I love stuff like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Wonderful. Pretty sweet. I, um, is that, I mean, is that, you, is that something you do on the, like the regular, you go into like holes and I'll answer your question. I'm not avoiding it, but oh, like, no, no, like, I don't go to holes in a wall. What I'll always do is if I get to an area, I'll just start looking up restaurant reviews and stuff. I'm always trying to find the place that locals go to, you know, if I'm in the place where the locals are, I know I'm in the right spot. You know, mm-hmm. uh, even when we go to touristy places like Ocean City, Maryland, which I'm not the hugest fan of that sort of like boardwalk, you know, thing, but my family does. So we go, but it used to be a little bar, like on the boardwalk, but off the boardwalk, like a block away. And it wasn't, you know, like a Margaritaville or something where everyone's doing it. It was just a little, it was down off the boardwalk, like a cave almost mm-hmm. uh, for a bare reference. And then the people in there, like the same bartenders had been there for like, you know, 10, 15 years. The people in the bar were all people that had like yearly rentals down there that every summer were there. They're, that, they're just all living at the bar. It's always the same people there all the time. Uh, and that's where I would go. I would just, that would be my respite and get away from all the tourists and just hang out and have some drinks in this dark little, you know, mm-hmm. cave of a bar. And then it ended up the building it was in got condemned. So it got closed. But yeah, I do. I, I want to find little places. It always, it just almost angers me when you go to like a big city and you'll see the people like waiting in line to get into mm-hmm. the Olive Garden and Times Square. Oh God. Like, I'm like, kills me. You can, you can throw your shoe and hit a great Italian restaurant from where you're standing and you're going to wait in line to go to the Olive Garden, which you can, you know, do in Poughkeepsie when you get home. Yeah, it's brutal. That's absolutely brutal. Now, I, I it, it's I've I've had some I've had some amazing meals over the years. Some that I've prepared, some that I've eaten with stuff. Man, I, you know, it's it's funny when you asked me the question back. It immediately took me back to sharing of other people. Sharing with other people was like yeah. the key part of that for me. And I still one of my best memories is every time i mean from the time i was in a young kid with friends high school middle school college even particularly college i'd have friends visit me in el paso and they would always come over and my mom would just my mom and i would put together this just you know table full of tacos and it was my mother's recipe that i still use to this day my grandmother's recipe on the rice um, you know, and I, I mean, they're not anything like crazy or anything like that. Like, I mean, there's some crazy great tacos out there and stuff like that, but I mean, these are, these are, these are beef tacos, you know, there's, um, but, and just, it's just great sharing. I mean, yeah. just, you just, I mean, you're just, just destroying like just tacos like it's just nuts it's fantastic that that's far more of a communal experience than the one i that i would describe but i just thought of the best meals so that's what i went to yeah I no really going to think. no but i you know so i have a friend who uh is you know indian by heritage so he loves spicy food and he's also a very good cook so a lot of times you know giving more into that you know we'll go to his place He's, he's got a pool house on his house, which is basically a cigar lounge. So just call it what it is. But uh, so we'll, he loves to cook. He'll get his smoker out and he'll like smoke brisket. And then he'll obviously smoke some chicken or something for me. 
And then you just make all this food or make tacos or, you know, chicken tiki masala or just even the meats and carve them up and then make, you know, his homemade salsas, which are so spicy. I mean, you know, his outdoor picnic table is round and it's got like a lazy Susan in the middle. You just put everything on it and everyone goes up to the grill and gets, you know, pulls their meats off and comes back down to the table and we're smoking cigars and we're either having some, you know, beers that one of us brought, some craft beers, or we've got, you know, we sat there the one time, uh, several of us, and I forget what we grilled, like some brisket and some chicken and had a bottle of like Weller Antique 107 and smoked cigars and just ate and killed the entire bottle. Uh, you know, that's, it, that is great, especially with the cigars involved because it, it is that communal mm-hmm. experience with the cigars, that experiential thing. Uh, and then, you know, the, the bourbon didn't hurt. Well, I mean, probably one of my favorite like cigar meal smoking experiences. I mean, you have to say I was down. I had the opportunity. Davidoff invited me down along with Coop and some other folks down. We went down, did the factory tour at Davidoff. And so we ate at Saga. That steak. Oh, yeah. That, that legendary tomahawk, the company, the cigars. Yeah. You know. You know, this was uh, when Eladio Diaz was still, mem- you know, still part of Davidoff and everything. So I'm, I'm, I'm eating steak next to Eladio Diaz, smoking a cigar that he blended. One of the best steaks I've ever had in my life, if not the best steak. Yeah. I mean, I have shit. I mean, I was, I was the, I was the king of the earth, man. It was. Yeah, it is. You know, and when we go, it's usually a big group. So we had yeah. that, we had that room behind the glass wall. Right, that long ass table, yeah. And then we actually had other tables in there. We had to slide that table slightly to fit other tables in. We had so many people. But, you know, they're ordering like six of those tomahawks, like for the table, and then ordering everything else, and then ordering bottles of wine. And then the guy from the factory ordering bottles of rum, you know, and, and you get, everyone's there. And there's, you know, guys from Honduras there, guys from the DR there, and then, you know, the rest of us from back here. You know, Chris Tarr is there, who's a guy, you know, I love and I work for, but I don't get to see a lot. So, you know, to sit there and have a meal with him and then these idiots that I work with every day that, you know, we all love each other and love to just hang out and smoke and cigars. It, yeah, it's, that's a fantastic experience. Uh, I guess Saga is just something that everyone should experience at some point, especially, you know, if you're in the cigar world, that seems to be, you know, sort of the Mecca in Santiago, at least. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. I, I guess I sh- my mind should have immediately gone to that because it's, it's certainly communal, that's for sure. Yeah. Last time I was there, I had not seen this on the menu before. We had a foie gras sushi roll. Okay, I'm going to have to do that next time I'm there. That sounds good. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I love French I mean, food, so that was, that was I, like, we, bought, I, we got, we ordered it completely ready to be like sickened by it. It was fantastic. Yeah, I destroy I destroy foie gras, man. I, I'm all about I'm all about pate, man. I will destroy that stuff. That's so good. I mean, I love food, so this is why this question exists. So but, uh, <laughs> understood. But, but I mean, the the next segment, of course, it, it has to do with cigar smoking, which is is always our asylum moment when we talk about, you know, f- asylum can be more than a physical place. It could be a state of mind, you know, and some refuge is more than just that. It can. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum. So moments like these were made for asylum cigars. So light up at asylum and choose your refuge. So, John, this segment is all about like you and a cigar. You've been smoking for a long time, as you said. You were here with the original boom. 
this has been a passion of yours for, you know, I'd say probably more than half your life at this point, you know, it's been, and, you know, here you are managing two of the most iconic brands in the history of cigars, a fun one to boot. There's gotta be that moment where it's just you and the cigar, like no one else around Mm -hmm. you and the cigar. What, what was that moment like? Maybe what was it about? And if you can remember, what were you smoking? Just really the defining cigar moment. Um, there's probably been a few because there's been so many cigars and for so long. But, you know, I think for me, and, and I kind of let off with this very early on, you know, I just think probably my wedding uh you know you're you're out getting your pictures taken and everything and i you know i just remember at my dad was um significantly older so a lot of people would think he's my grandfather like he was 50 years old when i was born so you know by the time i'm getting married my dad's already in his 70s you know so this is i've always known my dad was going to be around forever because you know he had a head start he was already 50 so it was always something that was there in the back of my mind you know which I won't get into all that, but, you know, so having, having him live long enough to see me get married uh, was very important to me. Having dance with my wife at the wedding uh, was important to me sharing that time with him, you know, and then, you know, we did, you know, have a cigar to get, you know, at, at my wedding. So it was a big day for me um, and got to share it with, you know, probably, one of the most, you know, if not the most, one of the most important people in my life. Uh, and to have that thing that we share together and bond over that, you know, kind of in that moment, uh, you know, you're surrounded by, you know, hundreds of people, but, you know, it's just you two, uh, everything else just kind of fades away. So there have been a lot of great cigar moments, but just the, the fact that he's been gone for, you know, over 25 years now, I could still think about that and have that memory, uh, you know, means, means a lot to me. And so there may be, there may be other ones, but that's probably what I would go with. Uh, my dad's a little, my dad was older too. when he had me, um, he's still around, you know, Good. so, uh, he is, he's very sick, but you know, it, it, like you, it was very important for me to share some of those moments. You know, he got to meet his grandchildren, you know, which was nice for me. Yeah, um, that's I, I I didn't get that. That's one of my big regrets is, you know, my dad. We waited a little while to have kids. So my dad never met either of my kids. And, uh, oh, my God, he would have been a terror with them. He would have loved them because there's a little, you know, a lot of me in them. And there's a lot of him and me. Uh, actually, if you ever see a picture of my dad at my age, he looks exactly like me. Like people who haven't seen me in years, like like older guys will know who I am because I look just like my dad. So that's funny. Yeah. That's awesome. Sweet. Well, John, uh, this uh, this actually happens to be our last question to wrap up our evening, and it's been a great conversation. Thank you so much for stopping yeah, in. Thanks for having me. I, I honestly really appreciate. It. I I love to talk about cigars. Uh, I love to. You know, I'm going tomorrow, I'm flying out to Pittsburgh, going to do an event, going to go visit some some retailers, but I think that's very important for us on this side to do, uh, which I love to do anyway. 
And then I'm doing an event at the Grist House Brewery in Pittsburgh, which is a brewery that I like anyway. Uh, we teamed up, Punch teamed up with Untapped this year, the beer app. Mm-hmm. So we're doing these kind of little Punch tailgate, like a pro events at like five different small breweries around the country in, in good Punch markets. So uh, that's really exciting for me because I love Untapped. I'm a big user of that app to begin with. And for them to partner up with us and us to be the only cigar presence like in that little world is fantastic. So I'm happy to get out and meet some people and cut and light some cigars with them and talk cigars. So I love doing stuff like this. So thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned curveball interest uh, earlier. Actually, funnily enough, we do have that curveball segment, which is right now. It's our final segment of the evening. The Dunbar Tobacco and Trust curveball segment. Fastballs or curveballs? It doesn't matter since the company's inception. Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park. That's eight. Count them up. Eight years in the consecutive, consecutive eight years, eight years consecutively in a row in the consensus top three. Yes, I can speak English. Congratulations to our good friend, Mr. Steve Saka. So tonight's curveball question is, John, you were an attorney. You were an attorney for a very long time. Tried, I'm sure, a number of cases in your day. If you could go back and retry a case, that one case, it's probably giving you nightmares and I'm bringing it back up. What a wonderful way to end a conversation, but would you win it if you go back and retry it? No, I wouldn't win it. Um, because the reason I lost it wasn't because of anything I did. I just think it was uh, like everything else in life. Things sometimes are a popularity contest. And I think people did not like the defendant and didn't believe him. Uh, so because there's no way the guy should have got convicted. Uh, but other than people just didn't like him or believe him. So other than kind of getting him to be a completely different person or change his affect and even his witnesses, no one believed them either. Uh, so geez, no, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it would have, you know, it was a very simple, it was not a complicated case. It was just, you know, it was a DUI case and the whole defense was he wasn't driving his ex-girlfriend, you know, she was a girlfriend at the time, uh, was driving and, you know, they had broken up long before this case ever gets to trial. She actually came in and said, no, I was driving. Now, meanwhile, it's your ex-girlfriend. How does your ex-girlfriend feel about you? She's going to come in from out of state just to testify that, no, this guy didn't do this. Uh, to me, just screams credibility. because It's not like it's his current girlfriend who's going to lie to get him out of trouble. It's yeah. someone who doesn't like him. Uh, and even with that, it's like, yeah, we don't believe him. So, oh, man, uh, it's tough. So, yeah, I don't think it would have changed. But uh, most of the things that went wrong were, were things like that, you know, uh, I had a case. It was like a split verdict. It was we we got a we got a, a not guilty on the most serious charge, and then was convicted on the lesser charge, which makes zero sense because his whole defense was I wasn't there. So he either did everything or he did nothing, and jury came back and said no, not that, but this. And then I talked to some of the jurors afterward, and uh, their whole theory was something that was never testified to. It was nothing no facts that were in evidence but they from watching everything surmised that this thing happened that didn't happen 
So that's why I always tell defendants like, you know, if you can get a good deal, take a deal because you never know what a jury is going to do. It's generally a lot of times it's not based in, uh, you know, fact, it's based in the way people feel like they don't like a person or they go, oh, that person reminds me whatever. You just get this bad feeling about a person. And they were convinced that this witness, I won't get into details or names, but Basically, they, what they thought was this witness said something racist to this defendant and the defendant hit him. No one testified the guy said anything racist. No one testified about any of that. But that's what they surmised happened from, you know, the demeanor of the, the witness and, and victim and, and the defendant. Wow. So yeah, it, it, that's the way things happen. Wow. Did you ever try anything like, 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 of course, this is going to be the 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 layman in me talking like did you any anything high profile like you know any any murder trials or anything like that um i've had had a murder case i didn't end up taking it to trial i ended up for reasons i won't get into i had to get out of the case um but i will say i had the guy a great offer that he refused to take despite the fact that i tried to convince him then when the next guy got the case and tried it he got three times the time he would have gotten under my deal um I've had some stuff, yeah, that were high profile. There was a guy that was sort of a notorious child molester um, before I ever got him. Like, I don't know if you remember, you know, the milk carton kids? Like, they yeah. put a picture of a kid on a milk carton? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, the original milk carton kid was uh, a kid from New York from British Village named Eton Pates, who was missing for like 20-some years before they ever found a body. So he was the original the guy that was the key suspect in that case for 20 some years was actually my client at one point or something not related to that. Uh, but he was kind of well-known. He's actually, there's a documentary called Cropsy uh, about like the boogeyman in Staten Island. They call him Cropsy there. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, the guy that comes around and steals children, you know, oh, why you get, better get home before dark or Cropsy will get you. Uh, so there's a documentary about it. So they're all trying to figure out who Cropsy actually is because kids were going missing. And one of the key suspects in this documentary, this guy pops up and like, oh, that, there's my client. Uh, oh, wow. But yeah, so we were doing this other case that's, with him that's years, years later. Yeah, and the Manhattan District Attorney's Office was still calling me about this guy in relation to E. Tom Pates like 30 years later. Wow, that's surreal. Yeah, yeah. That's... Yeah. Um, again, this is Larry Tar. We were just talking about plays early on when you were in college, and it immediately took me back to one of my favorite plays that I've seen on stage, and I've seen both iterations of the film done in film. I hope they. I hope they. It's one of the films I hope they remake with modern day cast members. Is Twelve Angry uh-huh. Men? Oh yeah, fantastic! Yeah. It's oh god, it's in, it's so good. It's mm-hmm. so good. It's such a, so so good. I'm, I'm so you know into the the one from the 70s. I would almost hope they wouldn't remake it, just because I think certain things are just perfect the way they are. You don't play with them. Yeah. So which what you the Henry Fonda one or the Jack Lemmon one where he plays your number seven? Jack Lemmon. Yeah. Okay. That one's good. I, I like both of them, man. The Henry Fonda one, the OG one, black and white. E.G. Marshall plays the stoic yeah. banker. Uh, Henry Fonda was uh, always, Henry Fonda was in a lot of legal movies. He was actually in um, 
the movie about uh, Miranda. Mm-hmm. There was a movie right. about Miranda. He was he was he was in that. Yeah, yeah. It's oh gosh, it's it's still one of my it's still one of my favorites. I I, yeah, I love it, and great. I love seeing it on I love seeing it on stage. Um, yeah, my college I have not did. Seen that. My college did a production of it at theater in the round, and it was it was just incredibly well done. And we had like, cool. some really talented awesome. guys, some really talented men. They did it actually. They they did two versions of it. They did Twelve Angry Men, of course, but then they switched it up and they did Twelve Angry Women, where it was an all female cast, oh, which cool. was that was a really unique experience too, considering how well I know the play and I've you know yeah. seen. Like that was really, really, I really liked that they did. It was a lot of fun. So that's, that's, I mean, some of the times those things seem forced, like, you know, an all female Ghostbusters, like just, just to say there is one. But the mm-hmm. 12 Angry Women, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense because that's yeah. something that could easily, you know, happen and mm-hmm. probably has, uh, you know, and it just really modernizes it a bit because mm-hmm. at one point that wasn't really a reality. So, no, I like that. It actually doesn't seem forced. It seems like a natural progression, which is which is nice. Yeah, and this was, I mean, it, it wasn't recently, and this was back when I was in college, so like the early 2000s, and yeah. like I knew some of the, I knew on the both the, the, the male side and the female side, I knew some of the actors that were in it, and uh, I, I mean... One of uh, one of the one of the women on the on the female cast was just she was just she was insanely brilliant. Um, <laughs> and she there's she always played. like that one person in the college, like like theater group that is just mm-hmm. like head and shoulders above everybody else. Yeah, well, she, there's she, always like one or two of them. She played uh, juror number uh, juror number six, which is uh, the guy at the end who's like he's trying to get to the ball game. The Tony Danza character in the la- the latter yeah. version. Yeah. So she played him that that character and like it was just it wasn't like she could have easily taken it over the top and just like but she wasn't and it was it was just really subtle and brilliant and it really i i was i just it was really well done i i love that like i said i love that play i love the film i love it it's great it's fantastic that's cool man that's awesome so well, John, thank you so much. This has been a fantastic conversation. What a great way to, to end this up. And uh, thanks for, for uh, the, the last question, kind of putting a spotlight on your legal career there. That was a little, little nice little trek down memory lane too. Yeah, so it's like fun. a nice little callback there, yeah. as you say in the business, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. So <laughs> um, so everyone out there, I hope you guys check out the bull, the new bull moose from the uh, the Chillin' Moose line. Uh, I've smoked two of them tonight. They're, they're sensational. <laughs> great, great buy on them. And then uh, I'm smoking the uh, the Punch Golden Era right now, uh, which is just really silky and smooth. Really enjoying so this. Silky. And feels uh, silky and it smokes silky. That's what's yeah. nice about it. There is a silky texture to the smoke. Yeah, it's very, very is. There's, a, there's this there's this elegance about it, which is again not. We think punch. It's definitely a different take on it. And I like it. I like it a lot. It's, yeah. uh, I'm enjoying it's, it. It's de- it's a really it fits really well in the portfolio because there's nothing like it in the portfolio. So when we plot out things, like I know we're wrapping up, but you know we always you know have profile and price and stuff. Sure. So within that cluster, there's like two cigars or three cigars that are right in there that like look like it's the same cigar, like same sort of body and same sort of like within the same price range, but completely different experiences. And it's funny you chose the the you know adjective silky because that was the word that I was always describing it with. So you know the wrappers of very silky elegant carojo and when you smoke it the smoke is like silky 
Yeah. Uh, and I think that's dead on. Yeah. I think it's, it's got that, it has that texture to it. It's like there, there's all kinds of textures. There's like with smoke, there's, there's velvet, there's silk, you know, there's, there's heavy, there's dense, right. you know, yeah. there's chewy. And it's well, like we're crazy. Creamy. Like there's a lot of cigars. There's creamy like, smoke like a too. Of, yeah. Like a lot of a lot of placencia, I think to me smokes creamy. This is not creamy. It's it's silky, and then there's a difference. And it's mm-hmm. it's one of those cigars. And I know we're I, I got to get on a plane, but it's it's one of those cigars that you could give to someone who's sort of a novice, and you know it's not overpowering. It's a very mellow cigar for the most part. Uh, you know, and they could smoke and just go, oh, "This is this is nice." It's like smoking you know, an Ashton or a Fuente or something. But at the same time, for someone who smokes a lot of cigars, you really get like the flavors and the balance and the nuance and just the impeccable construction on it for sure. Uh, so it, it really is something for everybody. And I'm not saying that just because it's, you know, my cigar. Like I think, you know, there are certain things that are just stand out and this one does. And I think that's one of those cigars that I, I think is just really special. And I think is going to really uh, have legs and be around for a long time. I think it's really going to become sort of a cigar that people know punch for, for this. And I'm, and I'm really, really proud of it. And what, you know, what Justin brought to the table on it and obviously Husto and Julio and, you know, my little contribution to it. I'm, I'm really happy with it. Couldn't be happier. And, I, and people are really liking it. A cigar aficionado just gave it a 90, which is a kind of a rare thing for us. So that that's fantastic. It's great to see consumers. Like I love that we got the 90. That's great. And that, you know, something we could put on ads and things. And that's fantastic. But what means more is like pe- the people who buy it, the people who we actually make cigars for are really enjoying it and really buying it. I mean, to the point where I think on our end, you know, we're sold out of it until we get, you know, more cigars in. It's been so popular. People are really responding. And that's, you know, ultimately that's what we do it for. Yeah. That's awesome. I just um I'm really excited about the future of these brands, John. I think you're doing a fantastic job. Really, really excited where the way you take these these three in particular. because uh, yeah. I think that there's there's a lot, there's still so much ceiling. There's so much distance to go to that ceiling, and I, I yeah. really, really, really excited for it. I know fans out there as well. So, um, cool. well, for everyone out there, we really do appreciate all those likes, shares, and comments. Keep them coming. You can always check out our YouTube page, Elosa Vermar. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button as well when you're on that page. Or if you're listening to us later, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts, again, don't be sure you hit the download, subscribe, or review button. If you are a subscriber, do me a favor. Hit the word unsubscribe, but don't forget to hit the word resubscribe because that really helps my numbers, actually, and <laughs> allows me to get great guests like John whenever I want. Uh, so please keep doing that as well. Um, again, you can always check us out every Sunday night. We're here on the Facebook Live uh, doing our thing. We've got a great show coming up next week. Uh, three national sales managers from three different companies will be joining a panel uh, discussion to talk about all things in the industry, trends, what they're seeing, what it's like uh, running three very different sales forces, three different, very different companies. So it'll be really exciting. So you definitely want to check that out next week. We'll have Miguel Shodell of Crown Heads, Derek Matthews of Oveja Negra Cigars, and of course, we'll also have Dave Lafferty of Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. So three fantastic gentlemen. 
um, will be joining us and we'll be having a great time. So definitely want to tune in for that. We'll see you next Sunday night at 930 Central. But for now, this was our 265th take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. He's John Hakem of Four Cigar Company and General Cigar Company. Guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time. Thanks for having me, Bear. <laughs>